an outside threat that can destroy the world, a group of heroes uniting, a director whose true vision is finally unveiled? All of this can only mean one thing, we're comparing Justice League and Zack Snyder's Justice League on this episode of Retro vs. Remake. Parker. And I'm Dan Bulick. Welcome to another episode of Retro vs. Remake. This is usually the series where we compare originals and the remakes, but today we're going to change it up. Right, Reggie? Yeah. going to yeah. go for a little bit something uh, kind of that fits what we're doing here. So we're going to compare sort of the theatrical cut versus director's cut. Uh, the simplest way to put it. Um, so join us today as we decide if one or both <laughs> these films should exist. Um, today's films are, of course, Justice League and Zack Snyder's Justice League. That's the official name. It's not also called Justice League. It's called Zack Snyder's Justice League. Getting right into it, the original Justice League was released in 2017, starring Ben Affleck, Henry Cavill, Gal Gadot, Jason Momoa, Ezra Miller, Ray Fisher, Amy Adams, Jeremy Irons, Diane Lane, Connie Nielsen, J.K. Simmons, Syrian Hines, Amber Heard, Joe Morton, Jesse Eisenberg, and Joe Maginello. <laughs> Directed by Zack Snyder. That's right. Zack Snyder gets a director's credit here. Not Joss Whedon, but we'll get into that. Screenplay by Chris Terrio and Joss Whedon. Music by Danny Elfman. Justice League 2021, starring everybody I just said before, plus Willem Dafoe, Harry Lennox, Ryan Zhang, and Jared Leto. Directed by Zack Snyder. No Joss Whedon here. Screenplay by Chris Terrio. Again, no, no Joss Whedon. And music by Tom Hokenborg. So there's a big difference. Danny Elfman versus this Tom Hokenborg. All right. Reggie, what is your first experience with either film? Okay. I remember seeing Justice League in theaters. Um, at that point, the Marvel supremacy of, uh, of these movies was apparent, right? Like, uh, mm -hmm. they just, every time they went to bat, they, they knocked it out of the park, and DC had stutters here and there. So I remember watching, um, was it Dawn of Justice, the Batman Superman movie, which was like serviceable. I was like, okay, this wasn't the worst thing I've seen. <laughs> um, <laughs> we'll see what they do with a Justice League movie. And, Unfortunately, just like because of all the heat Marvel had, I watched this film in theaters and I was like, who is this for? You know, like I, I, I watched the movie and I was like, I don't know who this is for because like, I didn't feel like there was enough fan stuff for an old fogey like me. It didn't seem like it was like fun enough for like a young person. So I was just like, oh boy, they're in trouble. <laughs> so I, I remember paying American money to watch the movie and being deeply concerned with the future of the DC uh, extended universe, as I believe it's called. Yeah, or what it was called. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then the Snyder Cut, I mean, it just came out. Uh, it's been internet buzz. I said, hey, you know what? I got to see the director's original vision. That's debatable whether this is truly the original vision, because uh, there's no way a studio gives you four hours. Um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but you know, it, it's closer. Yeah. I did see Justice League in theaters like you. Actually, there was like these cardboard cutouts 
um, in the movie theater. And uh, keeping in tradition with our King Kong episode where you post a picture, I'll post a picture of me in the nice. movie theater standing next to these cardboard cutouts, hitting on the cardboard Gal Gadot as I maturely did. <laughs> I'm in kind of the same boat. Like DC was kind of in a downward spiral after Batman v Superman um, and then Suicide Squad. And then this came out. My expectations were so low for this. And I thought it was okay. It definitely felt muddy. And you could definitely <laughs> feel like, okay, there was definitely two people working on this. This is not one solid vision. Right. Um, and like, yeah, I remember when all the buzz was coming about, like the Snyder Cut, release the Snyder Cut. And then it's like, it's actually happening. It's actually coming to HBO. And it's like, holy shit, the internet did something. So um, yeah, I watched that recently. And then suggested hey let, let's do this for the next episode instead yeah yeah i think just the gravity of the internet sort of forcing uh you know a major studio to like re-release something is like it's basically unheard of um especially in, like modern movie making so yeah like i think we just had to discuss this because how could how could you not yeah maybe we should just get into like a little bit of how we got these two different versions mm-hmm. and like what's going on here. I keep bringing up Joss Whedon. Um, so Zack Snyder was filming the original justice league around maybe 2016, we'll say, and he got about 90% of the movie done. And then the studio was like, well, let's, let's check it out. They saw what he had, like, you know, this four hour thing going on. And they were just like, yeah. uh, uh. <laughs> they, they were like, no, 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 no. Right. Let's uh, let's do something here. So they brought in Joss Whedon, most likely because of the success he had with the Avengers movies. Sure. So it's like, if you're going to have somebody for a team coming together, kind of a thing, but the Avengers are successful. Surely he can make the justice league successful too. And um, well, we all know what happened there. Um, pretty much uh, Zach was, he worked on it for like, he had a family tragedy happen and then he still worked on the movie for a couple more months. But then I ultimately just decided to, kind of drop out because he kept seeing like Joss just getting like more and more involved, especially in the post-production process. Right. So a lot of the, a lot of reshoots happened. Um, there was the whole Henry Cavill coming to come back and the whole mustache thing, oh, which we'll, we'll get into. Yeah. <laughs> um, so ultimately um, they wanted a lighter tone because like Zack Snyder's got just very dark tone that he right. set up in initially with Batman v Superman that carried over and which, they wanted those jokes, which we, well, we got a lot of jokes, yeah, we got the jokes. <laughs> which, you know, look, it makes sense. Like you're looking at Marvel and um, I, I think we may have discussed it in the past, if not on the podcast privately, you look at Marvel, who's been able to take something like guardians of the galaxy. We're talking about obscure mm-hmm. comics that like the fans of the fans kind of know what it is, but these new audiences were just like in the superhero movie audience. We'll take that franchise and like they made that fun they made that accessible so it was like rocket raccoon shouldn't be a like a million dollar franchise <laughs> character but he is right yeah. and it's like dc has these like icons uh superman wonder woman batman these are the types of characters where if someone puts movie money behind it you're expecting expecting a blockbuster every single time mm-hmm. and i just think that like you mentioned the tone um Snyder definitely had a darker tone, but like at the time, at least, I think the studios were like, well, what is going on? Because you saw this sort of lighter Marvel tone Mm -hmm. take off, going even beyond where this movie started. I remember when Marvel first came out with Iron Man and I saw some article that had like the 10 year plan. I was like, who's gonna pay attention (laughs) to this for 10 years? Uh, Me, the entire country. (laughs) The entire world. (laughs) DC just always felt like it was on his back foot and 
I think they even slightly, not, not even slightly, they made it worse with this scenario kind of pitting these two directors against each other. Mm-hmm. And um, in a weird roundabout internet way, the Snyder light, which dimmed a bit, is much brighter today than the Whedon light because of, uh, <laughs> because of some uh, controversies that apparently may have followed him throughout his career. We're not going to get too deep into that, but uh, if you want to, Josh Whedon, who's known to be kind of a sort of like feminist icon when it comes yeah. to the characters he chose, yeah. uh, may not have been such a feminist uh, off screen. <laughs> we'll, we'll leave it at that. Just keeping it within house here, just like actors on the set, reporting um just this terrible behavior that joss whedon is you know exhibiting the whole time especially specifically like ray fisher the actor who plays uh cyborg and then even like there were some issues with gal gadot and then like (laughs) gal had to like go above him to like i don't know somebody in charge and then somebody spoke to joss like you can you can't do anything like that to gal gadot again so it's like it got really out of hand on set for this i mean as much as i'm a huge dc fan this universe is like stitched together with Wonder <laughs> Woman and Aquaman at this point, which yeah. is scary a scary thought if you're uh if you're running that um you know the DC studios. But uh you know uh yeah you can't mess with Gavin that <laughs> the most successful uh DC movies in recent memory. So yeah <laughs> hands off no touching <laughs> <laughs> so um we do have two pretty similar films even mm-hmm. though one is twice as long <laughs> i'm talking four hours versus two hours here um the synopsis is pretty much the same it's a very basic story when you kind of break it down so let's go into that before we do our comparison superman is dead not only that his death has awoken the mother boxes three boxes when united that have the power to destroy worlds steppenwolf a minion of dark side has taken it upon himself to find the mother boxes on earth He's able to find one in Themyscira and one in Atlantis. Meanwhile, Batman and Wonder Woman have been recruiting metahumans, the Flash, Cyborg, and Aquaman. Steppenwolf doesn't know where the third box is, but Cyborg does. He was made from the box and knows all its secrets. It can even bring people back from the dead. The Justice League then decides to bring back their fallen comrade, Superman. The plan works, but Superman isn't quite himself, and he fights the team instead. Superman then sees Lois and returns to his senses. While this is happening, Steppenwolf gets the third box. Unity is imminent. The team then attempts to stop him once and for all. Things seem bleak, but then Superman finally shows up and they are able to defeat Steppenwolf. The world is safe and each movie's end their own respective ways. Like I said, pretty basic story um, when you kind of get down to the actual plot <laughs> that's happening, especially um, when you break up the Snyder cut because there's a lot of just kind of action and uh, pretty visuals happening anyways when we talk about the differences i think one of the main differences that i just want to talk about because it's the first thing you see it's just a noticeably visual difference is just the aspect ratios of the films right the original cut or the weeding cut was uh, so from here on out i'm just gonna say the weeding cut the snyder cut yeah i think that's fair all right, so the weeding cut just, you know, shot in the traditional widescreen format, you know, every movie shot like that. And then you come to the Snyder cut and it's now in this 4-3 aspect ratio, which is, it's noticeable because if you're not used to black bars on the sides of your screens, you're going to notice that, hey, this doesn't look quite right. This looks like my old TV and stuff. Yeah. Um, so it was just shot like that. 
that's just how Zach shot it. It's sort of, it's like the IMAX format. He didn't mm -hmm. shoot it using IMAX cameras because IMAX cameras don't shoot for sound. And, you know, they're really expensive and hard to move. But he shot it so it would look, have that IMAX look the whole way through. And for some reason, too, when he shot it, it was all in black and white. I don't exactly. Oh. Yeah, that's that's just a weird thing that happened. <sighs> I don't know. Boy, yeah, so it was... <laughs> <laughs> doesn't really affect anything because the right. movie's not in black and white, but that's just an interesting fact. These damn artists. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we have this 4-3 aspect ratio. And yeah, it's noticeable at first, but I guess after a while, you just, especially, you know, into the third hour, you probably won't okay. notice that. So I just wanted to bring that up because it is a notable difference. I don't know. Did you have anything to say about it? Did it bother you at all? Or No, no. I saw some of the internet rumblings of the aspect. But honestly, like once it was on my TV, like, my eyes are looking at the action on the screen, like mm -hmm. the bars, like you mentioned, especially after a couple hours, they're not there. Doesn't bother me. Um, honestly, the aspect ratio on uh, The Simpsons when they brought that back on Disney Plus right. bothers me more because you you actually miss things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they are of, uh, cut. Things are yeah. cut out. Yeah. Yeah, at least in this, like you can see everything you were supposed to. And, mm -hmm. You know, and I I used to have a TV with a knob on it and probably mm -hmm. twelve channels, so uh, mm -hmm. this was fine. <laughs> oh yeah the knob on it and then you had the um was it the aluminum foil around the rabbit ears because just Dude, i used to, get... to watch a lot of batman on that tv <laughs> a lot of adam west nice all right now this is where i'm not exactly sure where to go next we could do characters if i had to say on this one it may be a good idea to talk about how the two movies start because okay. i think it does affect how we're supposed to interact with these characters going forward. All right, fair enough. All right, so the theatrical version, or the Whedon cut, starts off with a little cell phone footage. Just kind of randomly, uh, Superman's there talking to cops after he's probably saved somebody, and then these two kids just interviewing Superman, just random questions, and I don't know. Unseen children. Uh, <laughs> unseen children yeah just a wall-in-one shot you know just like typical cell phone footage and then they just ask him a couple questions he kind of takes off cut to pretty much superman's funeral and a leonard cohen cover yeah yeah i mean you you get what kind of becomes a bit of a recurring theme where like the symbolism they try to like they really try to mine it like superman looks at his the s on his chest and he's like it's like a winding river, you know, pathways. You can go, I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you you could say it is, but it, but it's not. But, but you're right. Like, you get the funeral, um, <laughs> Leonard Cohen, and uh, movie stars. Versus the Snyder Cut, where you have basically the end of uh, Dawn of Justice. Mm -hmm. You know, this Batman, Superman kind of fight, uh, death of Superman, and as Superman is dying, he kind of screams out, makes some noise, and it basically lets the mother boxes know, oh shit, Superman's dead. Uh, <laughs> coast is clear, boys. <laughs> but like, tonally, um, though one does have like the funeral, tonally, like you do get this grittier, dark um, sort of continuation of the vision from the previous films. Like they are supposed to tie together and know you can argue whether or not they should have made such gritty dark films the point is you did <laughs> so, <laughs> so I, I thought that it was more appropriate um the way they did it uh that we even cut feels a little bit kind of like what they 
do with the movie Shazam, which isn't bad, but like doesn't fit. It's it's not right. <laughs> your, to- your tone, it's all off. <laughs> Talk to me like you're that. talking to me. <laughs> I'll stab you in the face with the soldering iron. <laughs> like a reshoot. <laughs> no, it's like this is one of those obvious reshoots, right? You're just like, yeah. okay. You know, not to harp on it for too long, but like literally this is where you start to see that that divide of the original versus the uh, I guess the theatrical cut versus what was sort of originally intended. And I think yeah. for me, <laughs> I thought the Snyder cut, um, just totally made more sense. It did bring me back into that film I watched recently enough, right? At the time, like I saw Dawn of Justice in theaters as well and was concerned then. Um, <laughs> but I was like, oh, wow, yeah, this is, that's what happened at the end of that movie. Mm-hmm. Now we're picking up right from that moment. It felt right. like continuity. Right, yeah, continuity is important. The tone, uh, like I said, you will definitely keep coming back to that because yeah it just continues that tone from batman v superman and it's a tone that is going to continue throughout the whole four hours <laughs> it's a consistent tone <laughs> it's much more consistent than definitely what we got with the Whedon cut so you know you could appreciate that the setup of everything and it, it lets you know two things right off the bat superman's dead a and b that there's these weird boxes something's happening to them and they might be important to the story well, they are going to be important to the story, but, you know, it introduces the mother boxes. And I don't think we get the mother boxes in the original cut. I think it's just focuses on Superman's death. Yeah, Superman's death. And from there, there's a focus on sort of the parademon. So it's mm-hmm. like we get these events without some context. And like, yes, it's a longer movie. And for some people that probably rubs in the wrong way. But like, I understand what's going on. Um because the context is is there throughout the film the mother boxes are pretty adequately explained and the the snyder cut in a way that like they do eventually get around to getting to what a mother box is but uh this sort of late explanation of the mother box to me um wasn't as i don't know cohesive as it's right there right like superman's dead and here here is the threat um uh, the threat's more obvious and more scaled uh, early on in the film. And it just makes that connection of Superman and the mo- Mother Boxes just it brings that to the forefront. So it's really important. Yeah. It's even more important that we bring him back in this yes. version because, well, they were sleeping and then they realized he's dead. So now they're awake. And well, if we bring him back, I think we could fix everything. So it's just so much more important to bring him right, back. Right. And, you know, we haven't talked about the characters yet, but like it's plausible in the Whedon version that this issue could potentially resolve itself about Superman until it becomes obvious that like nah it's not gonna work um versus this cut where it's you know because Superman is tied to these mother box in that way we're trying to make it work but uh you know there's always that open question of like hey if there's no Superman how is this gonna work and again I think that some though it's a longer movie some of these questions are hit immediately like they they happen very early in the film and i don't know i think that the framing is uh is just cleaner uh if you're asking me and yeah like i said you can argue about how long it is but um i i understood what i was watching and there were a lot of tie-ins to things that i had known of from uh comic books so i was like all right this is it's a mother box that makes sense what's happening and from here we start to assemble the team and um in, in, again, in the Whedon cut, the mother boxes come into play 
later in the film, and I think that by the time they come into play, we're so far along in this journey, it's like, all right, you know, it's more like a okay versus like, this is what the problem is. Mm-hmm. Where should we go from here? These characters. These characters. Which character should we start with? I mean, we kind of start with Batman mm-hmm. um, as the main member of the Justice League. So um, we'll get into that. And you had already mentioned about this in the Whedon cut. So Batman's introduction is very different in the Whedon cut because it's, um, like you said, we, there's a robbery, random guy robbing whatever. Batman is there, but he's not there necessarily to stop the robbery. He needs his fear. Mm-hmm. So there, this is a whole plot line that is not in the Snyder cut. It's that these parademons smell fear. And they yes. want to eat on fear. Okay, sure. Okay, <laughs> that's the thing. And Batman needs to get this criminal. He needs his fear in order to capture the parademon. He's trying to capture parademons for a while. Um, it doesn't work. There's a fight. Ultimately, the parademon dies. And for some reason, when these parademons die, they leave like a... Like a picture of like the the mother boxes every time they die. Yeah, that's it's, weird. It's a weird thing to leave behind when you die. Um, that's oh. there. So that's sort of our introduction to the mother boxes in the weeding cut. It's because a dead parademon's body left a picture of it against yeah, the wall. It's being, it's very sloppy. You're being very generous. Uh, Batman <laughs> uh, goes fishing with a guy. He uses a guy as a fishing lure to catch a uh, bug demon and. Um, when he does catch the bug demon, the bug demon's like, fuck that, blows up. And uh, <laughs> like you mentioned, the mother boxes. And, you know, Batman, hmm, I'm the world's greatest detective. I gotta figure this out. <laughs> but apparently they've been doing this for a while because he's talking to Alfred about it. He's like, hey, just like the other ones, Master Wayne. And he's like, yes, you're right, Alfred. And that, So that's where we are in this movie. <laughs> Getting parademons for some reason. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's not even fully explained why he's necessarily going after these parademons. Yeah, or, you know, like, I guess it makes sense that they start appearing, but, like, I don't know, parademons unattached from the source is uh, is less compelling than, like, uh, more of what we get in the remake, which is that, like, you see <laughs> kind of the bad guy you got, and then, you mm-hmm. know, it's almost like, it's like Doom, like, the video game, like, now the portal from hell's open. Here come the fucking. <laughs> yeah, it's very much like Doom. <laughs> yeah. Doom and Lord of the Rings, kind of. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's a lot of cross cutting. Um, when we're introduced to Batman in the Snyder Cut, I'm. I'm pretty sure it's we don't we're not introduced to Batman right away. It's Bruce Wayne, and he's on the hunt. Or he's looking for Aquaman. Yeah. That's where we're introduced to him. So it's not Batman. It's Bruce Wayne. He's looking for Aquaman. Pretty much similar scenes to mm-hmm. how it was done in both movies the only difference is in the snyder cut he i think he already knows like oh this is this is arthur curry like you are the aquaman we need to i need your right. help and then in the whedon verse again or whedon whedon cut <laughs> um he, he they added this picture on the wall there's a picture on the wall mm-hmm. got aquaman there and again the mother boxes they're just kind of these paintings of mother boxes they're everywhere right. you can't get away from them in the whedon cut so that's like the only really notable difference i like the um again the pacing right like superman is dead right, right. like uh that that's all we need to know and then Batman, because of this circumstance, and partially his fault, (laughs) (laughs) Um, he's like, well, I better clean up my mess. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, like, the Aquaman intro, I think, 
it's still strong. You lose a lot of it in translation in the uh, the Whedon cut. But in the Snyderverse, I just, I just really do like their initial sort of interaction. To your point, um, it's more consistent for the Batman, the character himself, to know who Adam Curry is, to know who the Aquaman is, and to be just kind of like, hey, I'm not going to let you know what I know, but I know something's going on here. There's a guy that's been doing some uh, water-based theatrics around here, and uh, I'm looking for him. And I don't know, like, the way that they shoot it in this, this Snyder cut, it feels like the village is, like, protecting the Aquaman and his identity in a way that we don't get in uh, that Whedon cut. And it does feel like, although Aquaman in this series is pretty brash and, like, egotistical and stuff like that, I think that he has enough compelling characteristics and enough heroics that that translated to me. That like this guy's protecting his village, they appreciate it, and he's not completely a narcissist. He may be shirking certain responsibilities, but he hasn't completely stopped being a hero. And, and I thought that that translated a lot cleaner in the Snyder cut, and uh, for me, framed Arthur Curry's journey in a way that uh, I felt was more appropriate and helped us get to the point where like. We could get behind Aquaman, potentially an Aquaman movie. Yeah, there's that extra scene in the Snyder Cut where when he goes into the water, the villagers start singing a song, almost like he's a, a deity or some mm-hmm. type of god or, you know, protector. You know, like they, a Kong. They're like a Kong. There you go. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, it just um, emphasizes just how important he is to these people and just how highly they um, regard him in general and just how he helps them is able to, you know, like he says, bring them food and yeah. do whatever he needs to do. And, and look, like Jason Momoa has played this character well in pretty much, uh, like I said, the Aquaman movie was, um, I mean, basically almost beat to be like a Black Panther <laughs> movie that came out, but, uh, <laughs> but it worked, right? Like um, this, this idea of like uh, someone who's expected to be royalty in the sea, like the King of Atlantis, who because of circumstance with his mother, and said, screw that world, like, I don't want to be a part of this, who's constantly running away from ultimately what is his uh, responsibility to bear alone. Both movies capture that, but I feel like in the Whedon cut, it's more like, nah, don't wanna, I'm out. Like, that mm-hmm. character trait, which he has in both films, and honestly, all the Aquaman films that there have been with Momoa so far, but it just feels more juvenile and, um, in the Whedon cut, because we don't really spend a lot of time with him. Like you mentioned, we don't get the uh, the singing and the date. Like, he's been doing stuff. Just because you don't see him doesn't mean he's just like a drunk, right? Um, and I don't know, like, I, I do appreciate where Snyder took that character. I thought those scenes really hit a lot harder and I don't know, like, beautifully shot. I, I really like the way that they shot that kind of interaction. and. Um, we save Batman from being kind of a dummy. It's like, he knows why he's there. He knows who he's there for. So why are we pretending like he doesn't, you know? So, I mean, like that, again, it's surface level. Like it's the same guy, right? So like, you're not really going to say, oh, the acting is different. Um, but we just spend more time with Arthur Curry. Um, I guess from here. All right. Maybe we could just do each character's introduction. We already okay. talked about Batman. We already talked about a little bit of Arthur Curry. Yeah, so we can go into Gal Gadot's introduction here, which is slightly different. What I'm remembering from the Whedon cut, uh, we basically just go right into like this sort of like inciting action 
with mm-hmm. Gal Gadot. You get the similar scene in both films. Yeah. Um, where this group of like terrorists have uh, taken over a building, like I think it's like some kind of art gallery or something like that. And um, there's some kids that are on a school trip that are stuck in this crossfire. And then Wonder Woman swoops in, lasso some guys, figures out that they're basically just trying to blow up the building. And she does her thing to like stop these terrorists. Uh, I think they're pretty much the same scenes. Uh, obviously, the Snyder Cut takes a little more time. But um, the main difference that I can really think of with the introductions is um, the action like pretty much stops as soon as like Wonder Woman like does her okay. her thing, yeah. and then like it cuts to the next scene. But the Snyder Cut keeps going, and then Wonder Woman actually goes over to the kids to make sure they're okay. This one little girl is like just kind of sitting there. She's like, "You're okay." She's like, "I want to be like you when I grow up." And she's like, "Oh, you can." So just that's like one little difference. And I'm I'm thinking if this is a superhero movie, um, maybe you know kids look up to these people wouldn't it be great for them to interact with some kids (laughs) yeah we even get um more more of the action like the the taking of the explosive and sort of removing it from the situation we get more um she flies in the snyder cut to mm -hmm. throw it out i think she just throws it up in the weeding cut so this wonder woman can definitely fly in the snyder cut flight flight is important i think for Wonder Woman. Um, it's a defining characteristic, you know? Um, it's true to also, like, the continuity, because if, I know, obviously Wonder Woman 84 would have came out after, and that's mm-hmm. the movie where she learns how to fly. Correct. And then, so you think by now, which, you know, 2021 or whatever in the late 2000s this is, um, she's able to fly by now, so. Right. That additional action, and again, you know, a lot of the Snyder slow, slow-mo <laughs> action sequences, but, like, Honestly, it, it's clean, legible action, right? Like um, the way that she interacts with the guys, the way she's blocking the bullets. And yes, both films had it, but just adding that extra little layer of uh, more of like the, the fact that these terrorists really don't want anything. They don't really have any demands other than like chaos and like the lengths that they're willing to go to to inflict that chaos is more apparent in the Snyder Cut. Um, like you said, being able to then follow up in action sequence, which we all can appreciate, but because it's a superhero movie, you got to imagine there's kids. Her interacting with the kids is, is an important element, I think. And a lot of times the Whedon cut tries to, you know, give us quips in place of moments like this. Mm-hmm. But I think that, like, the Snyder moment of, yeah, you can be whatever you want, little girl. Like, mm-hmm. it's kind of, kind of important, <laughs> kind, of, kind of a big yeah. deal. Yeah, I mean, you had mentioned that Wonder Woman is one of the, the glue, like, holding this universe together. So let's give Wonder Woman that moment with uh, people that look up to her, you know? So it's a nice addition there. Yeah, and, and like you mentioned, like, something like Flight, right? It starts to put her up in that tier, mm-hmm. that A-tier superhero type deal. Like, yeah, she may not necessarily be able to beat Superman, but <laughs> let's all take a step back and realize that she's, like... Uh, Top three, <laughs> you know, <laughs> easily. Um, we just get more time with her, and it's it's important because Gal Gadot, Wonder Woman, like I know you just mentioned it, but like super super important. I mean, when this series looked like 
it was getting completely out of hand. One woman was like that first shot to like write the ship. They're like, okay, we may not have completely got that third act, but like Gal Gadot is, she's a star. She's likable. Uh, like so much likable that she could go to the studio and be like, Josh Wheat's a dick. And they're like, hey, Josh, <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> you know, um, it's like, you don't even have a director's credit for this shit. <laughs> I don't know. Just more time with Diana Prince is, is never a bad thing in, uh, in the DC extended universe. No, certainly not. Maybe just go on to another character's introduction because sure. uh, another very different introductions to characters. Um, let's go to Flash. Um, really quickly, pun intended. Um, so <laughs> in the weed and cut, um, we're introduced to Flash. He's at prison visiting his dad, and in the true, you know, weed and flavor, he has to throw in a joke. So, like, he's signing in to, like, you know, just visit his dad in prison, and then the guy behind him is giving him a little flack for t- being slow. Get it? Flash is slow. This is a joke that also happens in the Snyder cut, too. That's all these Flash being slow and late jokes. Yeah. Or just, yeah, or whatever. Anyway, so the guy behind him is being a bit of a dick, and then just Flash just looks at him and just, like, a quick split second, you see his arm, like, go up and then go down, and then the guy's got doodles on his face, and it's this, you know, it happens pretty early in the movie, and again, we're going to keep saying this, the tone. The tone is all wrong. It's like, what are we doing here? Why are we throwing these dumb jokes in here like it, it doesn't make sense right like we're not introduced to him we don't know anything about him yeah uh, we know his dad's in prison at, at this point and really maybe not even at this point because he's still signing in <laughs> um all right as a civilian the flash took a sharpie to some guy's face and then we get an extra line was like you got a prescription for those to yeah a guy doesn't know that he has something on his face yeah that's funny like what come on yeah that's that definitely didn't land for me. And uh, there's a bunch of these sort of small jokes for these heroes that just really don't land. And again, just that, that Joss Whedon tone. And, you know, that's, that's maybe why you hire Joss Whedon mm-hmm. because he is good at that. He puts that in all his stuff. Um, yeah. But what was set up by Zack Snyder it doesn't really allow for those types of jokes, especially early on when we don't even know these characters. It right. just it just doesn't work. And I'm going to say this, that, like, the intro that we get in the Snyder Cut it's just so much better because like one of the defining characteristics of this film are some of the really, really intricate and cool shots that they pull off when they're in like that flash, like I forget the uh, speed. Speed force time. Yes. Speed force. And you know, you you get this intro where like he's looking for jobs and like, it's, it's a problem in both films. Like his dad's like, you gotta get a real job. Um, and you see him basically like applying to be a dog walker, which is funny too, because like he's the Flash, right? Um, and you know, you see this girl that he's kind of like obviously attracted to, who finds herself into like danger while he's applying for this dog catcher job. You can be whatever you want to be. I can't sit here and watch you run in place. Go after him faster than you've ever attempted. And it's an awesome scene dude <laughs> like there's a, a truck barreling towards this girl like uh the guy dropped like a burger or something he's like, a burger and he's, he's like i gotta eat that five second rule dude <laughs> it's like yeah. gross dude this is by your dirty feet <laughs> i mean come let it go <laughs> and he's like he's not looking at the road and and this this uh this woman is about to get just destroyed by this truck and like boom speed burst right everything slows down 
and you see him like running around and like the girls upside down. Yeah, <laughs> they do the boop a bit, <laughs> but uh, it's it's just real. It's a really really good shot and um, establishes this Flash character in a way that's both comedic and heroic. And again, I think that that's the tone that Snyder's actually able to pull off, which is, yeah, they're dark films, and no, they may not be doing puns and stuff like that, but they all, there is comedy in, in the mm-hmm. film. Um, and, you know, it's inexplicable why this woman's life is saved to any outside observer, and uh, to cover his tracks, the Flash is like, playing with a bunch of the dogs. It's like, oh, isn't this cute? Like, he just saved their life. And it's good that they established this shot in this scene because when we go back to this type of shot throughout the film, mm-hmm. which is a huge hinge point for the action throughout the movie, mm-hmm. um, us as an audience being able to perceive the heroics going on in a way that's, like, not cheesy and that actually separates you from the Marvel Universe I love this intro. I think it's a great intro for The Flash. I think uh, we get a lot of the, uh, we, get, we get Ezra Miller, who's actually very good at playing this character. Um, being able to do physical comedy, being able to do spoken comedy, being, you know, being a superhero um, in, in an origin sense, it just works really well. And I, I love the shot. No, it is a great introduction much better introduction it does have that humor again that i'm like oh i'm sorry i'm running late again flash running late jokes shit shit. you didn't just give me the comedy which is why i'm able to forgive this scene because you did give us the heroics that you had mentioned and that's important Mm -hmm. because that's sort of flash's thing throughout the whole movie a little bit of humor but ultimately you're gonna get the heroics too so it establishes those immediately and if you're not familiar with flash somehow it definitely knows lets you know like oh this is what this kid can do not like oh Mm -hmm. he's just really fast and he can doodle on people like no he's he has this power and not only does he have it but he uses it like for good like he's saving people um when he uses his powers so you know he's a hero right there and then you know cool effects like his shoes can't handle like how fast he's going there's small little details there's like mm-hmm. oh that's pretty cool i love that like how, how he got through the glass door he just like kind of touches it and it's just, like, like water just like yeah. rippled and then shattered some really cool effects there and you know we had seen moving in super fast with everything slowed down before in the x-men movies mm-hmm. um, with um quicksilver so you know it's not necessarily like incredibly innovative but it's still interesting to see how they did yeah. it in this one and it the way they use it later in the movie is what really makes it interesting. So like they, it's interesting because they start somewhere and you think, well, this is pretty much what it's going to be the whole time, but they're able to take it to another level at towards the end of the film. So it's, it's a really good introduction for the character when you think about it. It's a good introduction. And honestly, for like, uh, as a surrogate for people that aren't as familiar with the universe, this version of the flash is very early on in his career which you can say about Cyborg as well, but like he's very obviously the rookie um, of the, uh, the Justice League in this scenario, right? And we're able to kind of go on this journey with him. It's almost like they make him too much of a novice in the Whedon cut, you know? Like, uh, mm-hmm. it's just like, there's a point where he has to save people. It's like, just save one person. It's like, get the fuck out of here. Like, the guy knows what he's doing. Like, we don't have <laughs> to make him, you know, a child with doodles and not knowing what to do, but we can make him like, you know, green. Like he doesn't know exactly right. what to do all the time. Um, he's not necessarily a planner, but like even that inexperience comes into play later because when uh, there's a scene where the plan is stick together, 
everyone immediately starts doing their own thing <laughs> because of their super ego. And the flash is when it's like, this isn't the plan. <laughs> I don't know. Like Ezra Miller does a phenomenal job in this movie. And it's a shame that we don't really get to see that in the Whedon cut. No. I also do want to just mention too, um, that he is saving Iris West who mm-hmm. eventually becomes his wife. Yeah. So, you know, nice little cameo there we get. Yep. Yep. I don't know. Like, uh, like you said, yeah, we've seen like the Quicksilver stuff in the past, but like mm-hmm. clearly, and this is how, you know, directors being a director, clearly we're using this moment at a low, I mean, it's high stakes or someone might die, but like low stakes. Cause it's not the entire universe. Right. <laughs> um, we, we get to see like, and get used to this visual, used to this type of action. And uh, hey, we'll be back to that, right? So it's, it's a great, great intro. Mm-hmm. Which leaves us kind of with our last member who arguably has the biggest change <laughs> between so the two uh, films. So we have Cyborg. Maybe you want to start with this? I'm trying to even remember how he's introduced in the weeding cut because like, he's so like underplayed in that version. He's completely underplayed. I mean, He's like not even really intro, right? Like it's almost like uh, they're kind of along in their journey. I, I remember Diana is kind of like looking for, I don't even really remember why. That's how <laughs> bad this was. Like, uh, I think we're introduced to his dad first. Um, he's just okay, working at yes. Star Labs. Yes. And then um, in the Whedon cut, I guess when he's leaving, this is an added line that's not in the Snyder cut. The janitor says, oh, sorry to hear about your boy. So, you know, like, oh, something happened with his son or something. He's presumed dead, but he's not really dead because he's actually cyborg. Right. And it's um, it's really <laughs> briefly uh, touched upon, like, how all this happened to him and, like, why he's who he is now, the cyborg in the yeah. weaving cut. I mean, I mean, super brief. I mean, we even miss out on, um, in the Snyder cut, we actually get, like, elements of his mother. Uh, mm-hmm. in the film because he's in, in the Snyder Cut they make it I mean it's just different right like yeah. he has a contentious relationship with his father right. in the Snyder Cut because his dad is not around we're mm-hmm. kind of introduced to him as the uh, as a football player right like he's playing for Gotham College or something like that Yeah, GU Gotham U man yeah Gotham <laughs> University and like you see him doing some pretty insane like non superhero but pretty fucking super uh football moves yeah <laughs> jumping over guys hey, don't get hey, the pylon get the pylon oh! <laughs> and it's badass and like he looks up to the uh to the stands there's his mother cheering him on yay go son where's his father not there mm-hmm. right the mother's driving home and he's kind of complaining about his dad not being there boom car accident another driver not looking where they're going maybe he dropped a burger too yeah, probably. It was a big problem in this universe. Um, again, contentious because had his father been there, they may not have necessarily been where they right. there. You know, like this in his mind is an avoidable event. So even with his father like taking steps to save his life, uh, to kind of like try to tutor or help him with this newfound power that he that more or less uh, his dad. Uh, Cyborg is Victor Stone. Um, his dad is Doc. I forget his Silas. Silas. So, thank you. That is a uh, Silas Stone who uses like mother box technology to mm-hmm. save his life. And even with that sort of life saving thing, like it's mad at him. It's like oh, yeah. screw you, man. Like you, you're an asshole, right? Uh, 
dad leaves him like a tape behind like listen to this and, and you know once the science part of it's over he's like as your father oh no <laughs> i don't like you and honestly that part's cool uh the contention between him and his father it fleshes out those two characters in a way that we don't see the, the weed and cut where they're they kind of like each other um yeah and yeah it's like they like each other but they're also like like you mentioned they're not in the movie enough for that to matter and ultimately we'll talk about this down the line like the father is far less important in the Whedon cut than he is far in the Snyder cut yeah like so there's that and then we actually get to watch this guy kind of develop his powers mm-hmm. and get an understanding of wait a minute cyborg is not just some random metal dude right. this guy's got like legitimate legitimate powers that i'm glad they explored take your place among the brave ones i'm not broken and i'm not alone he's like i'm tied into every single uh, financial system in the world but mm-hmm. i could launch nukes if i wanted to i could like interface with basically every piece of technology on the planet and off the planet Mm-hmm. Um, and we still get a little bit of that heart because he takes a liking to this, this single right. mother who's working like a diner job, who's struggling and stuff like that. She's getting evicted. And you're seeing it in all these little like, uh, sort of like montage and flash cuts. And ultimately like, and the visual is really nice actually. Like you see her bank account with no money in it. He's like, do, 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 do. <laughs> the dollars stack up and, um, you know, she goes to ATM and is like, you won the Gotham, I don't know, bank award. And now she has $300,000, right? Like, great, awesome. Mm-hmm. So Cyborg has immense power, <laughs> um, a contentious relationship with his father. He's a hero because of what you see with uh, uh, the woman. And even that's kind of questionable. It's like, where, where do you step in to help people? And when do you step back? Mm-hmm. That's a question that he has all the time. Um, He's constantly listening to technology. He's just mm-hmm. a fleshed out, yeah. good character in this movie versus some kid that, you know, his dad saved his life and he's got powers that we may or may not <laughs> defining. <clears throat> what we get with Cyborg in the Snyder Cut is something we don't get with any of the characters in the movie. And that's an origin story yeah. because <laughs> these are already well-established characters, but Cyborg who is he? Yeah, who is Cyborg? <laughs> Let's get to know him. Well, here he is. Well, he was this kid. He was very athletic. And even um, in that flashback, we also learned that he's, he is a bit of a computer hacker. We yeah. learned that he had a friend whose house burned down and kind of hacked in to help her get higher grades. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, he helped his friend do that. What did you do Like after their house burned down? You didn't do anything. So you know he's like kind of already a good kid because he's helping out friends who are very much in need. And then, yeah, there's that the thing between him and his father because like he's not there and then the accident happens and then um you just get to see this origin story he just finally starts to like accept his powers you, you see him like learning how to just use the new body like oh mm-hmm. now i can i can fly holy shit that's pretty cool <laughs> i didn't know i could do that before and then yeah like you said he kind of just like focuses on this one lady and then he decides to use his you know powers for good which is, you know, a hero. It's, it's good that we know he's on the good team. Right. Um, so, yeah, you get this origin story. And, like, you know, we do say it's, like, a much longer film, but it, it does move by pretty fast. So you mm-hmm. can at least know who this kid is, where he's coming from, why he hates his dad, and, like, what he's going to do with these new powers. In a brief amount of time, they're able to, you know, give us a nice, solid origin story 
for this character who's going to be very important <laughs> for <Yes>. the ending. <laughs> yeah. This idea of a character that is born of the mother box. And uh, right. at one point, Steppenwolf, I believe in the Snyder Cut, um, is like, you're an agent of chaos. And it's, it's true. He could be this chaotic thing. Like, mm -hmm. the guy can launch nukes. He, he has control of anything. Like, like you're saying, he chose to be a good guy. He could go, you know, cash out a bank account, you know, play the World Series of Poker every year. And, you know, <laughs> like, that's it. Like, I'm just killing it like that. But he chooses to be a hero, right? And um, he risked his life, his sanity, potentially, to, like, make this big sacrifice towards the end of the film. And um, when you know who he is <laughs> and you know kind of, like, his origin, it, you're connected to him in a yeah. way that, uh, like you mentioned, in a short amount of time, it worked really well. It almost felt like you had this little cyborg movie within the movie. And yeah. um, for a character that, look, I'm a DC nerd. I know Cyborg. I've seen him in the Teen Titans. I've seen him right. in other things. Um, he's not always necessarily in a Justice League lineup, right? right. So this is a good idea. <laughs> Who is this guy? <laughs> yeah. He's not typically like the A-list uh, Justice League members. Mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. Like you said, he's typically a Teen Titan. So to elevate him up to a member of the Justice League. It's a pretty big deal. Yeah. If we're not too familiar with him, it's a pretty good idea that we do get to know him. Yes, yes. And honestly, even for me, who's like a guy that appreciates the DC Universe, look, I'm not... Uh, I didn't read a bunch of Cyborg stuff. Like, yeah. To me, honestly, it's uh, the character design. I never really liked his look, mm -hmm. and I just didn't get into it. But like after seeing something like that, I'm like, hey, maybe I should yeah. Check out some big uh, Stone comic books. Figure out more about mm -hmm. Cyborg. See what he's up to. Because, like, they made him a pretty damn powerful character. Mm -hmm. And um, when you're fighting aliens that could destroy an entire planet, um, you want to know you're working with a stack team. Another yeah. just good intro that unfortunately gets cut from this movie. And, uh, you know, besides Whedon getting a little bit of heat for uh, <laughs> his interaction with women, Ray Fisher has made some specific charges uh, about yeah. race that I don't know, man, but like two of the um, people of color in the movie are more or less have their scenes cut with uh, the diner woman and stuff like that. It's like, yeah, maybe, uh, I don't know, man. It's, it's a weird, <laughs> it's a weird cut. Dude. <laughs> it's yeah. It's, it's definitely underserviced in the weeding cut. I mean, because like we said, in the Snyder cut, well, he's, he has this relationship with his father that only is made worse after his mom passed away. So he like blames his, father for his mother's death and then he also just hates his father like i don't care if you saved my life i still hate you so you understand where like that's coming from in the weeding cut we don't know i don't even know if the mom's mentioned at all i didn't um, see her at all it's i mean you don't see her for sure but i don't even know if he mentions her you know he just hates his father you're not exactly sure why and then he you just think maybe it's because he made him cyborg and you don't exactly understand like how that happened there, there's right. an explosion mentioned but that's kind of it so don't understand where this animosity Victor has is coming from at all mm -hmm. in the weeding cut. And he just seems like this, like a grumpy kid. And just like, well, I don't like you, dad. You know, you just, yeah. just going to stay in my room and stare at the kids and out in the streets. So, you know, to flesh that out, obviously <laughs> gives him a much easier arc to follow. He doesn't even have a fucking arc in the original. <laughs> right. I, I don't know. No, no. He's just, he's just there at one point. Right. And what could make this even muddier and not to derail this conversation, but like, I think I've even seen the like the Justice League Ultimate Edition, like the director's cut before the Snyder cut. So like I'm all jumbled about oh, wow. <laughs> with these characters. It's a mess, dude. <laughs> Again, like 
I think what we're keying in on is that yes, it's longer, and yeah, studios kind of like to turn out shorter films because you can get more tickets sold, more uh, showings, and stuff like that. But like Ezra Miller being fleshed out, great. Mm-hmm. Uh, helps with the action throughout the film. Adds a little bit of humor where ultimately these are pretty dark, gritty movies. Um, mm-hmm. It's good to have that character. Ray right. Fisher coming into play here, playing Cyborg, like getting to know him, seeing him before he's Cyborg, seeing mm-hmm. him after he's Cyborg. It's a big deal. Like we can, again, relate to this guy who more or less should have just gone and playing like whatever the DC version of the NFL was, right? And <laughs> had his, his like genius level mind and his like fucking super level like athletics had that taken away from him in a moment and um his dad trying to do this like makeup call i'm your father now thing was like no that's not enough (laughs) yeah not only is it not enough you've made me into like a frankenstein type monster Mm -hmm. so like i really hate you now um (laughs) it it leads to a very very nice moment to do an arc that we'll get into later yeah and um yeah, you just don't get that in the Whedon cut. Not at all. I'm sure we'll get into these characters more, but maybe let's cross over to the other side and talk about another character um, who's pretty important, and that is our villain, our main villain, Steppenwolf. Yes. And I guess we could kind of start with the introductions here as well. In both films, we're introduced to Steppenwolf on Themyscira, getting that mm-hmm. first mother box. He looks very different in yes. both films. Um, he's kind of wearing, I don't plain armor i guess is for lack of a better term in the weeding cut and then he's kind of wearing this living armor yeah in the snyder cut which is a uh, shinier and it moves and so it's, it looks spikier <laughs> looks yeah. sharper i don't know like i didn't really think it was like that great of an improvement like i don't know the character from the comics so i don't know i'm sure it's more true to how he looks in the comics but i wasn't necessarily like blown away like that's a steppenwolf yeah. like it looks still kind of Okay. No, they're both kind of goofy. Okay. Um, okay. The the Whedon cut, I thought it was weird because he's got, like, it looks more like clothing versus, like, this living thing that you're describing. And after the rewatch um, in the Snyder cut, he looks bulkier for some reason. He does. He, he, he's a bigger, more imposing figure, um, which I appreciated. Kind of going back and watching the, the Whedon cut, I was like, far, I was like, eh, he looks kind of lame. And like I said, the, the design isn't like you mentioned, it's not that spectacular, but uh, that kind of matters. Because Steppenwolf is more of a standalone villain in the Whedon cut, um, mm-hmm. during that the mascara uh, intro, we get more of like the background as to why we should care about Steppenwolf um, versus like the Snyder cut where Steppenwolf's part of it, but there's right. some other stuff. Right. <laughs> There's a lot of other, a lot more people involved here with Steppenwolf. So maybe we'll just get into kind of motivations here. Um, mm. You kind of mentioned, great point. like the bat, like he's the main baddie. I guess it's hard to talk about Steppenwolf without talking about Darkseid. Yes. Uh, so I'm just gonna bring him up here now too. Um, so Darkseid, who I think is only mentioned once <laughs> in the Whedon cut. I yeah. think he, he says his name once. And then um, Darkseid, who is like the motivation, he's the driving force in the Snyder Cut. I have turned 100,000 worlds to dust. And when this world is scorched, all of existence shall be mine. 
I don't know all the details, but they said something like he might he betrayed Darkseid, and now he's kind of making it up to him. He's supposed to conquer like ten thousand worlds or something. Um, so he's trying to find these mother boxes to get Unity to go home. He's not allowed to go back to uh, Apocalypse, uh, the planet. So um, which they don't mention yet, but. Yeah, yeah he, he needs to go home because he fucked up. <laughs> right. So that, that's his driving motivation. And in the Whedon cut, it's not really explained that well. <laughs> uh, it's, I guess like Mother Boxes to kind of take over, more or less, right? Like mm -hmm. um, the Snyder cut is more built into DC lore. Like I've read plenty mm -hmm. of comic books with Dark Side in it. Um, in a way, like it's actually kind of impressive the way. <laughs> Marvel was able to take someone like Thanos, who, like, if you're a hardcore comic guy, oh, you know who Thanos is, but, like, his design back in the day was kind of goofy, so it, it was interesting that they were able to, like, build a franchise around Thanos in a way that they did, versus, like, DC, which is, like, you had Darkseid, mm -hmm. who really doesn't need a lot of introduction, you know? Mm -hmm. It's like Doomsday and Darkseid are, like, pretty well-established villains. Right. Um, and then they choose to spend their time explaining Steppenwolf, like, yeah, okay, yeah, I've seen Steppenwolf in some of those comics, but, like, he can be important, he can be a standalone villain, but, like, having the backdrop of, like, and if Steppenwolf succeeds, now we got real problems. <laughs> <laughs> um, it sets you up, like, when you're doing these multi-film franchises, to have the ability to still be able to parlay whatever happened in this movie into a, a dark side follow-up, Mm -hmm. is important and like i just felt like steppenwolf is not he's not that cool he's not that mm -hmm. scary he's like a a tier villain in terms of power but he's b tier in terms of us caring about him right um and you know you could build him up in certain ways but i don't think that they pulled that off in the whedon cut i think they actually did a better job in the snyder cut um but really he was m mostly just a hype man to be like yo you think right. this is rough <laughs> <laughs> Wait till uh, more stuff happens. And, and like you mentioned, Steppenwolf, he owes Darkseid. He's basically his slave. Um, he needs to capture all those planets. And Steppenwolf also has motivation to try to get from under Darkseid's thumb. And when he finds out about anti-life, which he finds on Earth, uh, it's a MacGuffin that they know about <laughs> um, that's introduced in the Snyder Cut. It's an opportunity. It's like, okay, he may use that to help Darkseid. He may use it to help himself. Um, it adds a little bit of intrigue to the, what is otherwise kind of like a sidekick villain, mm -hmm. right? I just think the scope is better, right? Like, when yeah. I remember watching the original movie and it was Steppenwolf, I was like, mm. Yeah. Because, <laughs> you know? like, they had Doomsday poorly, by the way, but they had Doomsday right. in uh, Batman vs. Superman. So I was like, okay, that's like a tier villain. And then you give me Steppenwolf? In the Justice League movie, it's like that's a step back. Yeah. <laughs> what? So I, I say all that to say that, like, I think that what you're mentioning, the another character that gets the benefit of a good origin story by, you know, fleshing out Steppenwolf, I was able to be like, okay, I'm okay with Steppenwolf being the villain because I know that there's more danger behind it. Yeah. I mean, overall, he's a pretty generic villain. He's mm -hmm. like super big, super strong, and uh, hard to take down. Um, you don't exactly know his motivations, but you know he's evil. And 
you don't really get like any sense of motivation in that no. Eden cut. It's just, I need to get these mother boxes together to rule the world. Okay. Just another dude who wants to rule the world. At least, you know, you know, setting up dark side in the Snyder cut. It's like, okay, so you're trying to impress this guy. Cause this, yeah. this is like your boss. And so you want to impress your boss or something. So you're giving Steppenwolf a little bit more motivation. Yep. You're setting up dark side and you know, <laughs> they did like a, a flashback of like when they first fought, dark side it's and great yeah it's, it's great. a great sequence and then for the weeding cut they just cgi'd steppenwolf into that and it's like well i don't know it just it just doesn't work <laughs> no, I, don't no. know. I mean look that that sequence in the snyder cut is beautiful it's a crime that you don't get that full of the mysterious scene because that is that's really well shot um even though you know it's like cgi nonsense but like the the scope of the fight right is bigger we get more of the action in the uh the location with the mother box before they try to seal it seal it out it was kind of like man they fought and then boom close yeah. the gates it's like really like, yeah. <laughs> it's very like, much like a lord of the Rings style kind of uh, it really coming is. together of like the atlanteans the amazonians man uh mm -hmm. visitors from outer space it's this huge epic fight that was like right. you just got a glimpse of it in the weeding cut and well it's like you see it full in the Snyder Cut. Right. Like the, the Zeus-like figure and stuff like that. Yeah. When, so that when someone says you've got um, the blood of the old gods in you, mm -hmm. that means something. Right. There you go. <laughs> that means something. Because, you know, in, in a lot of ways, like the DC Universe takes that Greek mythology and stuff like that mm -hmm. and that lore and actually makes it sort of real in their universe. Yeah. It's like Ares, the god of war, is a real character. Mm -hmm. Poorly done in the end of Wonder Woman, but uh, yeah, <laughs> but you know what? For most of that movie, it was working. <laughs> it, it worked. Yeah. <laughs> but like when you see the Atlanteans, uh, the men, but like kind of like bolstered by these almost like Greek god type characters. When you mm -hmm. see the Amazonians and stuff like that, that's an epic battle, and it really puts in the scope what it takes to take down this type of character. That like the only loss that Darkseid ever had was right. because of uh, the collective efforts of everyone. And again, this Justice League is repeating that step of we can't win this battle without some people. <laughs> you know, we can't win this battle without all of us. Um, and you know, having that scene fleshed out like that, it's a great act action sequence. I think it's shot so well. Parlaying that right into the, the scare, like them constantly throwing the mother box to the next person. Mm -hmm. And yeah. trying to save it. it it's a really yeah, this guy wants to be in the movie <laughs> the ace cut <laughs> oh god <laughs> um i don't know man like uh i was so disappointed because i rewatched the uh, i watched the weeding cut again after watching snyder cut mm -hmm. when i saw what they did with that in the scare scene i was like fuck out of here like <laughs> just like mm, punchy punchy close the gate i'm like it was so epic before that wow you didn't have another five minutes for that? Are you <laughs> kidding me? I was robbed. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, all the action sequences are definitely um, a little extended uh, in the, the Snyder Cut for sure. Um, one of the things I liked about the Themyscira scene is because they had to seal off that area. It was like what it meant. Um, there were living Amazonians in there. Yeah, exactly. Like she was, the queen was just like kind of out there, just like over the wreckage, just like dreading that she had to do that but it's like you know it's a kind of a necessary thing that it had to do because otherwise steppenwolf would get these boxes and we can't have that happen so like just just have 
the queen queen hippolyta yeah mm-hmm. uh, just out there mourning just a small moment like that like yeah okay i, I care because i'm seeing other people care mm-hmm. <laughs> this is good <laughs> it's true and then like it adds to that the shit talking later when stephen was like yeah and your sisters died you know in vain basically it was like yeah man i saw that i saw the heroic efforts mm-hmm. of like a hundred Amazonians going down this like losing battle and like like you mentioned the queen having to choose like I gotta steal in my own people yeah I gotta make that choice you know um it, it's just it's cleaner man it's mm-hmm. so much yeah. cleaner yeah you don't feel the weight of it at all in the weeding not, cut not even a little bit no a little bit it's in a side in the weeding cut and that it's like well he got the box it's like okay even um I I know we're not necessarily doing this but like. Even when he gets the mother box in Atlantis, it's it's a much more compelling scene in the Snyderverse. Um, but yeah, I don't know if we're at that part yet. <laughs> I mean, we could. I, I'm not exactly sure where to go to here. Like, we touched upon like uh, main characters who are important to the plot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's some other characters here and there. We could jump to because we're just we're just talking about getting one mother box, so we could jump to the other mother box if you want. Sure, sure. So. Going back um, to um, Aquaman for a moment. Yeah, Aquaman. Right? So we've got the Themyscira scene. Um, Diana, who's been banished from her homeland, Amazon, I believe, for bringing a man back. To- I didn't know if she was banished. I, I didn't get that. Was she banished? Mm-hmm. I thought she just had left um, to fight in the world right. of man and well, just decided not to go back home. I'm not. Right. Well, uh, okay. There's so many Wonder Woman origin stories. For- <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Sometimes it's wrong. Sometimes. Um, so we we go from uh, Wonder Woman's sort of homeland, uh, in Mascara, Amazonia, and stuff like that. And like you mentioned before, in that scene where everyone kind of teamed up together, we got a glimpse of what glimpse they would go to to protect the mother box we get a similar sequence in uh in atlantis mm-hmm. well before that um we do get a character that wasn't in the weed and cut and that's willem dafoe uh comes in as volko and we just got a brief scene of him just uh just confronting aquaman to be like mm-hmm. you need to take your mother's place <laughs> you tried it over there take it <laughs> he's so good this is a quick willem defoe he's so good in everything aquatic that i've seen him in <laughs> life, aquaman, life aquatic steve's <laughs> yeah the life aquatic uh the lighthouse uh which uh stars him in future batman robert pattinson oh yeah Mm-hmm. There you go. <laughs> he was also in a Van Gogh movie that Cree was watching the other day. I was like, God damn, he can do anything. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, Volko gets fleshed out more in the Aquaman film, but it's good to see him in the Snyder cut uh, and to see that going back and forth with uh, Arthur Curry. So you get you get it once kind of in the Whedon cut when uh, Amber Heard's character mm-hmm talks to Aquaman about like his responsibility and what his mother did as a sacrifice. But hey man, you can't hate on one extra scene of being like, hey dude, come back. <laughs> you just tried it. You got a job to do. Um, especially with them knowing that they have a mother box. Like what what makes Amazonia and um, Atlantis different than the world of man is they remember the power of the mother boxes. They remember how dangerous these things are and they're actively protecting them. So like in in uh, Atlantis, there is 
you know, armed guards. They've got a whole like room set up. Like no one's supposed to touch his mother box. So like when Steppenwolf comes about, just like in um, the mascara, uh, when he's kicking everybody's ass, it's a big problem. <laughs> and you know, it's like their best efforts to stop it. If we want to go into that, because although it is yeah. more fleshed out, it's the scene more or less tracks the same, I think, between cuts. Yeah, it's pretty much the same thing. A little more of the action's extended. There's this kind of cool scene with uh, Amber Heard's Mira where, like, she's, like, sucking the liquid out of yeah. Steppenwolf's face, and you see the blood start to, like, get pulled out, too. So that was like, oh, that's a little... <laughs> yeah. That wasn't in the, in the weed and cut, so that was a little cool to see that. But ultimately, the fight's pretty much the same, um, and Steppenwolf is able to get that second mother box. Yeah, but I, yeah. I think the important thing was like just the inclusion of the Volko character and then like, you know, just setting up the trident and the armor because the yes. armor's in that scene too. I don't think you see that in the original, just Mira. I don't, I don't think so at all. And um, like I mentioned in like the Aquaman movies and stuff like that, like this is a recurring theme. It's like the, uh, this almost like prodigal son, this king living outside of his kingdom. And uh, the fact that no matter how powerful they are, because like, like you mentioned, the Amber Heard scene, that's kind of cool, man. Kind of reminds me of like a little Avatar, a little bloodbending, right? Like, yeah, um, bloodbending, yes. <laughs> you know, the dark arts. Um, <laughs> so it's like, look, once again, it elevates Aquaman's power because, you know, Aquaman did need a bit of a rehab after his whole orange, uh, you know, old school Justice League cartoon um, stint. <laughs> <laughs> they tried to revamp him a couple times. Okay, she's pretty tough there, and she almost found a way to, like, get Steppenwolf out of there, but it wasn't quite enough. So it boosts Aquaman when he's able to fight this guy. You know, it's like pro wrestling, putting another character over the top. Ultimately, like you mentioned, the action sequence is it's the same thing, but adding more lore, more background, understanding why Aquaman needs to come back and rule his people because without them, they are vulnerable to these type of threats continuously. You can make an argument, would this have happened if he was there the whole time? Maybe not, right? So it's a good scene. Like, Volko's brief, yeah. hey, come back and do your job, is a <laughs> huge, it's a big difference. Yeah, I mean, it gives you, like you said, it does give you more backstory. You know that he's, like, the heir, apparent. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that he, they do mention his brother, too. So his brother, Orm, the right. ocean master. It gets yes, a little, it's a little, little bit of a nod there. So you know mm-hmm. that... If you're not familiar with the Aquaman lore, you you do know that this Arthur Curry is pretty important to the Atlanteans. So, you know, just a brief interaction with Falco just, you know, gives us a little bit more of a background of this This fish guy. Dr. Fish? Fucking A. A lot of fish jokes in that reading guy. Yeah. Uh, Going back to kind of like zooming out of like these universes in general. When I mentioned like for Marvel, the Guardians of the Galaxy, I didn't know who Rocky Raccoon was, Mm -hmm. but you built the character out. You gave me some background. Mm-hmm. Gave me a prism scene. I know who that guy is now. I swear to God, if Marvel was like, I'm going to make a Namor movie, they'll probably do bigger numbers than Aquaman. And it's mm-hmm. like, guys, you're sitting on gold. <laughs> <laughs> Flesh them out, right? And yeah. uh, I think the Snyder Cut, though it's indulgent in its runtime, fleshes out these characters in a way where the Marvel plan was always, we're going to start with an individual character. And they pick Iron Man. And we're going to do individual movies and then bring them together. Mm -hmm. The DC plan was because they started after Marvel, they were like, we'll bring our big stuff together and then branch out afterwards. 
Uh, clearly, so far, Marvel has been winning that battle. <laughs> but, look, uh, this is an accomplishment. I mean, the fact that Snyderverse even came out is actually weirdly an accomplishment. They might be able to work from here. So I hope that they keep fleshing these characters out because clearly the parts that we like about this movie are when they do. So just wanted to say that about the, uh, the second mother box. Uh, you know, though Aquaman fought as best as he could, Amber Heard did too. Uh, Steppenwolf just like, you know, that box and he disappeared in his little <laughs> light portal that he uh, gets away in. Should we just go on to the third mother box? Because it's pretty different. <sighs> the third really one. different. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, in both versions, Victor does have the mother boxes. And once the team is assembled, um, they decide to bring, uh, bring back Superman. Pretty much because the third mother box hasn't awakened. At least we get this in the the Snyder cut. He's like, you know, the third mother box hasn't awakened. But if we try to bring him back, it will awaken it, and Stephen Wolf will know. I don't know so much that that was explained in the Whedon cut, but um, ultimately they both decide that they're going to bring back Superman. A little bit of a difference is in there is in the Whedon cut. Wonder Woman is pretty against it. Yeah, and she doesn't have any problem with it at all in the Snyder Cut. So there's just a little bit of a conflict there um, that wasn't there before. I think there's a little bit more foreshadowing of like what we're going to get because like they mentioned kind of like Frankenstein type deal. Like if, uh, you know, when you die, you lose a part of your soul. I think that's a little bit more kind of uh, telegraphed in the Whedon Cut, which, you know, I think kind of makes sense. Um, you know, I know we've been dunking on the weed and cut a little bit, but like, yeah, that makes a little bit of sense. Um, and to have a little bit of conflict there is okay, especially with the shortened runtime. Mm-hmm. I think that because of what we've seen, the amount that we've seen in the Snyder cut, yeah, I get why no one's got any objection. <laughs> it's like, we, <laughs> this is not going great. Uh, there's a bigger threat, like we mentioned before, in the background with Dark Side. It doesn't just stop at Steppenwolf. So let's say we're able to pull off the Steppenwolf mm-hmm. win. Without Superman, we're kind of we're kind of screwed. Yeah. And it's acknowledged that the reason that these things are even awake again is because Superman's gone. Right. <laughs> so yeah, kind of need him. Yeah. But that is a major difference. Yeah, I don't hate the uh, the conflict either because if you think about it, if we're going back to Batman v Superman, you know. Diana saw like, well, we had to fight Doomsday, <laughs> somebody that got brought back to life, um, kind of in this same situation. Uh, we saw what happened there. So right. I, I kind of like that she has some reservations about like, oh, let's, let's think about this for a minute. And it kind of gives her something to do because yeah. she doesn't really do too much uh, after this point in the movie. You know, she just has, she has some good action sequences, but she mm-hmm. doesn't really, her arc kind of doesn't really go anywhere too much. Falls out stalls out they kind of you know Steppenwolf is smartly kind of playing off of like what happened at the mascara and like that's kind of it for her like she's kind of mad because he killed her sisters but like after that you're right there's no nowhere to go for her all right so they got to bring back superman and um the way they bring him back is like they got to go on superman's ship um, they got to do the mother box in the water with the body, but they need a charge. So Flash has to do his thing where he like touches the box exactly the moment um, that it touches the water. But there's a slight difference here because we get a little bit of in the Snyder cut that 
Flash is able to go so fast and we do see time start to rewind just a little bit and then he touches that box as yeah. opposed to the weed and cut. You don't see anything kind of reverse at all. It's just just all happening in real time right. or slow time, <laughs> speed, force time, whatever you want to call it. So um, they are able to bring back Superman and uh, those fights are pretty much the same. Pretty much the same. Um, I, I, one of my favorite movies moments in the movie is that moment where flash is running super fast and then superman's just like mm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then flash is like what oh yeah. fuck it's yeah. <laughs> glad that wasn't cut at all from either film because that's, that's a great moment. It's a great, good, good moment. Um, so they're both fighting Superman. And then there is a difference here um, because it looks like they're about to lose. Um, it's Now it's Batman versus Superman. This is coming back. This is where you get a really, a lot of those shots of that mustache <laughs> being mm -hmm. removed and everything. Mm -hmm. But uh, there is a difference here because in the Snyder cut, Lois had just been showing up to this um, Superman memoriam, this area every day and then she just decided like this is the last time she's going to do it because she's going to return back to the living and go back to work so yep. it's kind of a it's kind of random and the weed and cut is actually batman who's like well, i got it i got like uh we're gonna bring out the big guns if this doesn't work right so you think big guns and you're batman for zoom you think maybe he has some kryptonite mm -hmm. maybe a little bit of that but no he his big guns was lois right so that's a big difference right there and you know, we've been shitting on this the whole time, but I kind of like that Batman's like, wait a minute, <laughs> this might turn shitty. So let's bring in Lois. It's consistent with Batman, the character, right? right. Like, look, we're probably going to lose this fight if it goes down like that. So let me see if this is going to work, right? I think that it is a smart choice. Um, in the Snyder Cut, I do find it interesting that they, uh, they kind of use the Martian Manhunter in little bit of deceptiveness to get Lois there, right? Like um like she he pretends to be um Superman's mother, uh was it Martha Martha Kent, Kent. Right, but, yeah. yeah. Martha Kent and how could you forget that name? Martha, come on. Martha why'd you say that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know man, leave me alone. <laughs> but I don't know if he was doing that to get her to go to the location. I don't, I think he was just yeah. trying to get her to return to the living. I don't think he knew that Superman's, Superman's going to come back. He's going to be that, mad. That's fair. That's fair. I, the, I didn't get that. Those two things aren't necessarily connected. Yeah. You're right. Um, so having Batman actually use that right. to get her there versus her just being like, Hey, I'm here. <laughs> yeah. Makes sense. It's Batman. He's smart. He would have, he planned for all this shit. So yeah, of course he'd plan to bring Lois there. It just, yeah. it, it is more fitting of the character than just like, oh yeah. shit, I uh, hope Lois comes because <laughs> we're yeah. fucked. Yeah, to bring some balance to the podcast, I think you're right that uh, the choice to have the one Woman contention strong and a choice for Batman to be like, I'm bringing Lois. It's fun. Because uh, it didn't, like again, I, I assume that somehow that was connected with the Martian Manhunter, but you're right, like there was no indication that he <laughs> made that happen at all. Um, so uh smart choice here by whedon to have batman be the initiator uh versus kind of like in the Snyder cover it's like ah, this is mostly batman's fault <laughs> uh that all this stuff is going so poorly but that's just bringing back superman so like we said lois comes clark kind of snaps out of it 
grows away with Lois, but we still got the mother box to worry about, right? Mm-hmm. So in the, I'll start with the Snyder cut. In the Snyder cut, uh, Dr. Stone saw the mother box land outside the facility. He takes the mother box himself. He goes back into Star Labs with it. While he's in the Star Labs with it, this is when Steppenwolf shows up and he's like, oh, oh, I better do something. They've been working on some type of, I'll just say super heat ray or something in the lab, whatever. They're working on something and he needs to use this machine on the mother box. And you think, obviously, he's trying to destroy it. I don't understand what's happening. And then, of course, you know, Cyborg's like, shit, he's in the Star Lab. So he goes to kind of save his dad. And uh, he realizes, wait, what are you doing, dad? What are you doing? So his dad's like in there with that heater thing and shooting it at the mother box and he just kind of sacrifices himself um not necessarily sure he needed to do that but but he did anyway basically what we have here is um cyborg's dad's dead and we lose the third mother box all in Mm -hmm. one scene as opposed to the weeding cut where steppenwolf just shows up takes the box and leaves yeah that's it that's it Silas Stone's um, sacrifice is important. Again, we're talking about arcs. Like uh, it's important for Cyborg's arc, but I don't know if he had to do it. <laughs> no, he definitely didn't have to do it. I mean, even the way it's shot, it's like you don't have to be in the yeah. You can be outside the box. Right? <laughs> I mean, you can still press a button, and the same thing's going to happen. But uh, you know, for dramatic effect, uh, we uh, for dramatic melted effect. his dad basically <laughs> for our uh, Cyborg character to you know, to grow. <laughs> right, right. And to have this idea, like, I couldn't save him. It's like, well, you know, um, he could have saved himself. Yeah. <laughs> out. But I think it's far more compelling than, whoop, got a box. Yes. And now I'm going. And it also gives us sort of going into the next phase where they have to now, he's got all three boxes. He can make the unity. Where is he? In the Whedon cut, it's just kind of like, well, where would you go? That doesn't have internet. That doesn't blah, blah, blah. Uh, here right i think i think it was like victor you're part of the mother box like you could figure it out because you could feel it so i think that's how it was done is that yeah i guess so i think i guess so (laughs) i i did enjoy as kind of silly as the sacrifice was like he superheated the mother box so that like it's the hottest thing on the planet right so that again same thing those cyborgs able to kind of use Mm -hmm. thermo and we get another joke there because batman has a satellite um Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know um we figure out where the location is and we get a little bit more prep for that fight in the uh snyderverse like they have like a plan you know Mm -hmm. tower and you gotta do all this there's a bunch of stuff Mm -hmm. you gotta do versus the weed and cup which is like that's where he is that's where we're going yeah Yeah, but i think i think you're right i mean that is always part of it he can feel it stuff like that so Mm -hmm. same net effect in terms of that's where he is. Mm-hmm. Um, with the added bonus of we killed Cyborg's dad, who he's had contention with, and now mm-hmm. we realize even though they have been fighting, still father and son, he's still upset that he couldn't save his father. And it changes his feeling about his father, their mm-hmm. relationship, and affects his um, his feeling about being a hero and realizing that there are times where you, even with all these powers, you can't save your dad. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, classic superhero trope uh, works well here yeah it works well here it'll come into the climax for sure <clears throat> so that takes us to kind of the final conflict i'll bring up something that we hadn't talked about that's only in the weeding cut and that is this russian family that we keep following 
yeah. randomly. Yeah. So there's a Russian family um, that uh, where Steppenwolf has decided to set up his base for unity, mm-hmm. and uh, it's changing the whole region around them. And this Russian family is front and center for some reason, and yep. we're just following them. They have more screen time, I think, than Cyborg. I mean, it's nuts. We're just following this Russian family the whole time, and it's like we get it. There's danger, and you're staying there. And it's like the moment you notice something like horrible is happening, you think they would leave, but they decide to stick stick it out and they stay there the whole time. It's not until like the end when they're absolutely fucked that they're like, oh, we maybe we should drive and leave. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. so weird. Like I get why you would do that. It's because like, oh, let's see how this is affecting normal people. And yeah, you, you would want to do that with more normal people, right? Like you wouldn't want to focus on one disparate like Russian family, like. <laughs> To like take the time that like their car broke down, so then the Flash has to push it. Like, yeah, it just no. <laughs> it's an addition, and it, uh, it definitely did not help the weeding cut. <laughs> Let's say that. Yeah, yeah. There's a couple moments in this final action sequence that don't help the weeding cut, but uh, you know, it is what it is, right? Now that we're kind of at this like sort of final action sequence, right? Like they failed in their mission to stop Steppenwolf from getting all three mother boxes. At this point in both films, Superman's out of the equation because he's like, doesn't remember being Superman, uh, which makes him basically just like, potentially a killing machine if they're not careful. Um, Lois Lane helped stem that off for a while, but now they got to face Steppenwolf by themselves without Superman. I like that in the Snyder Cut, it's a more tactical decision. They're like, well, the they're not expecting us to hit them on the front line, so there's like a, you know, Star Wars type invulnerability. <laughs> <laughs> we got to blow up this big tower like it's a womp rat. Um, <laughs> I do think that that sequence is kind of badass. Them like trying to storm the uh, this sort of like yeah. uh, enclave it works really well. Like you get those like superhero moments, Batman and like he's not in the Nightcrawler at this point, but he's in some Batmobile and like they're flying and it's a really cool like very Justice League moment there mm-hmm. yeah. um, that works well. I struggle a bit to remember um, the Wien Cut because I think what happens is they kind of get there. Like, they just kind of get there, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm trying to remember it too. It's Because it's... I, I, I almost mixed it up with when they were uh, interrogating Vic's dad right. at the beginning of the, uh, not the beginning, but like towards the middle of the movie. Kind of when like, Aquaman nah, joined, yeah. Yeah, it was like, no, nah, this is a different scene. <laughs> and like, I think that's what the problem is. It's like, those two scenes are effectively the same thing, right? Like, they show up, they're like, well, we gotta fight this guy. I don't know, I just, I just really like the setup in the Snyder Cut a lot more. And mm-hmm. you get some really, really epic action sequences uh, in that, like, you do. that added, like, we gotta storm the, the castle mm-hmm. scene. Worked well. Yeah, it's it's a really cool action sequence. It's definitely a lot longer in the Snyder yeah. Cut, um, and honestly, like more memorable at this point because like I'm trying to remember exactly yeah. uh, what they did in the Weeding Cut. It's like you know, there's a lot of flash pizzazz too. I guess it just feels more earned in the Snyder yeah. Cut, so I'm yes. able to like invest in it more and like you know, more willing to follow what every character is doing as opposed to the Weeding Cut, where it's just like, all right, cool, Aquaman. Really cool. <laughs> Good for you. Yeah, and I think it's it's established before they show up that like they're gonna have to use cyborg and like this way to like stop yeah this uh 
his mother box. So like this is added bonus of having like the flash trying to generate enough right. speed, which adds another layer of a problem when he, you know, there's defenses that try to stop the flash mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So like the scope of the scene is bigger too. Yes. Um, in the Snyder cut. Yeah. And like, they have to kind of like work together because what the setup is like flash is like getting enough of a charge because you can't just get into the separate them other boxes because it's they're, they're just like pure power so yes. flash has to like get the super speed in order to um charge cyborg i guess so he can get inside unity and separate the three mother boxes yep. should have mentioned this before too um when they were bringing superman back um mm-hmm. before cyborg was going to tell flash to kind of come and like supercharge the mother box he gets a vision of the future oh, yeah. um, which isn't in the weeding cut and it's another dark future um we see wonder woman just being burned um kind of a funeral pyre yeah. in themiscira and then we see apocalypse in atlantis just killing atlanteans and he does his cool omega beam and was just i don't know i'm just a yeah. dork i love seeing the omega beam and just in live action i thought that was awesome. really cool um, so we just get this sequence of the dark future, which we'd seen in Batman v Superman before. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're getting a little bit more of it now, but now Victor is the one who's seeing it instead of Batman. The dark overtones are just happening like constantly yeah. throughout this movie, yeah. setting up future films that we'll probably never get to see. Never going to happen. <laughs> anyway, so um, yeah, Flash is outside. He's like doing the supercharged thing. And like you said, there's aliens. These parademons are shooting at him. I mean, he gets shot like pretty fucking bad. Like this, yeah. this poor kid is just like, oh, it's all right. Just got the wind knocked at me. And you see him, he's like got this huge fucking gash on the side. And it's pretty intense. And then, um, you know, Victor's like, all right, we got to do this. Where are you, Barry? Barry, we got to do this. We got to put this yeah. all together. And then it's like, click. Oh, shit. And then so unity fucking happens. Yep. Dark side's like peeking in through the window. He's like, "Yes, we did it, Bridge." Actually, man, well, I'm, I'm well, jumping too far ahead. Yeah, so, I need, we got to bring in Superman so, first, right? Yeah, a bit. So like, while the Flash is running, I think the Superman thing happens. Like he shows up before even Barry gets shot. Yeah. Like when Barry gets shot, and he's about to get kind of finished off. Batman sniper shots <laughs> this uh, this parademon, which is like, thanks, Batman. Good contribution, man. <laughs> Not a lot that Batman could do in this uh, parademon fight. Like, <laughs> he's doing that kind of Captain America role of like, there's two guys that need to get punched right now. <laughs> um, but you're right, no, like, um, they're kind of getting their asses whooped uh, right. by Steppenwolf before. And, you know, Cyborg's trying to like separate the, you know, Mother Boss to do his thing. And um, Superman just shows up, and I like we got like the dark, um, right? You know, the dark armor Superman coming in, and he's laying down the heat, right? Like mm-hmm. it, it's really effective because one, we get Superman back; he's able to like handle Steppenwolf in a way that the rest of them aren't. But it hasn't turned the tide so much because mm-hmm. ultimately, the problem isn't can we beat Steppenwolf? The problem right. is the mother boxes are exactly. Here. So like. It's dope because we get Superman back. He's yeah. Kicking some ass, but it does not ultimately solve the problem. Mm-hmm. And uh, it works really well here. So, like I said, Batman kind of sneaks up on it and <laughs> shoots, <laughs> shoots and saves the Flash. And um, like you mentioned in that action sequence, uh, the deed was done. The, the unity was combined. It right. was all over. And then the Flash, again, a character that we introduced very clearly mm-hmm. at the beginning of the movie, 
We've shown his powers throughout. He showed a little bit of that speed, uh, speed reversing time. He's like, I gotta break the rules. <laughs> you gotta got do it, Barry. Rules. You gotta do it. Gotta go fast and speed of light, Barry. You gotta break your one rule. <laughs> yeah, it, it's fuck. It's cool, man. Like it's you start seeing things reverse. Sick, dude. It's a great scene. This is this is one. Of, this is my favorite scene in the whole fucking yeah, movie, right here. Barry is just like, you know, he's got shot. He's, he's got to do the speed force thing to slow things down because unity is destroying the earth. You're just yep. seeing like nothingness <laughs> because the earth is getting destroyed. So he's like, all right, I got to do it. So he starts running and he's running so fast. Like, yeah, you do see like the destruction getting reversed. You see ground start to create where, where his feet like hit the ground. It's, it's just so fucking cool. The music is epic. He's mm-hmm. like worried. He's like talking to his dad. He's like, dad, I just want you to know your kid was one of them, one of the best. And he's like just running and the music is just, Oh, it's like yeah, so fucking good. Yeah. It's one of my favorite moments, like in comics. It's like it's, I think it's up there with like Wonder Woman when she's in No Man's Land in her movie, just like yeah, oh, that- bullets. Like it's one of those like I was just like getting so pumped seeing the Flash just like go back in time because like you know we got a little taste of what he can do and he's been this kind of joke character mm-hmm. and now he's got to fucking step up with the big boys and like just yep. save everybody and he's he's able to do it in like such a spectacular fashion and just I love this moment in the movie. Yeah, yeah, and. You know, set up for so many potential flash moments. Like you said, that uh, that sequence that you're referencing in the Wonder Woman movie, yeah, that, that hyped me up. Like going out there in no man's land, going going nuts, and you wish the third act didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> but right there, I was like, yo, this movie kicks ass, mm-hmm. and then it stopped kicking ass for like the last 15 minutes. But we pretend like that didn't happen. No, this scene is so good, dude. Like it's really good. I would say the only well, no, there's two other scenes that I kind of put up there. I think the, the mascara scene where they're, like, knocking the mother box here and forth, like, people picking up, like, it's a football and stuff like that. I thought that scene was badass. Um, I thought that the new guy, well, the old god scene was dope with the yeah, lanterns and the dark cool. side. But, like, this one is another level, right? Because, like, yeah. we got the whole team assembled. This is it. The world is collapsing. And Barry, the least likely person, yeah, like you mentioned. exactly. Okay, man, I gotta do it. And again, the flash and all the crazy time travel, speed force, and random things that they do with that character, and the dead flashes that come back, the live flashes and the old flash like this. Yeah, yeah. Like it's a it's a fun character. Ezra Miller just again, he, he's giving me um the same way that like Spider-Man, like the way that, that kid is able to emote and like I'm cold, Tony Stark. <laughs> like, Ezra Miller has that that energy and that vibe, and like his him being like the thing that reverses time and gets everything back into place. Um, just a clean, good scene. You're right; it's probably the best scene in the whole movie, which makes a lot of sense because it's the climactic kind of yeah. action ending, and it, it works so well. It's one of those earned moments. It's yes. like you you earned this movie. You'd been building up to this point. You showed us like glimpse and flashes pun intended of flash <laughs> so um like to just you know have it culminate into that one moment and it was just like i it was like the perfect like climax yeah. for flash or his character it was it was so good it just made me like fucking a flash fan right there i was like yeah, yeah this guy's awesome man like he's like you know the jokes you know people you take take him sure. or leave him you know but like to have him like kind of redeem himself and just save everybody it was just yeah, so fucking cool he, he's uh he's deadpool like in that way like yes he's constantly joking and 
again, no matter what version of Barry Allen you get, it's some he's pretty juvenile in terms of like the way he talks, but like he's a hero, right? Mm-hmm. Like that that is the character. The way they pull that off, speeding it up, having him reverse the mother box, having the portable dark side, like what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then um I don't know. I think Superman punched him or something like that. Somebody punches Steppenwolf, maybe Aquaman, and have one woman come up, yeah, chop <laughs> his fucking head off, have the head go through the portal, fall in Darkseid's feet, Darkseid the <laughs> stop putting that. It's like you suck. I knew you were we were right there. How did you fuck ah, this up? <laughs> sucks. <laughs> it's so good. It's so appropriate for a Justice League movie that how is this my first time seeing this? <laughs> Absurd, dude. Not not saying that like the Snyder cut would have saved that franchise. I think I think the whole thing was off the rails already yeah. at that point. But like that's such a good ending. <laughs> and it's not even the ending. <laughs> it's not, it's not. We got ways to go before we can finish yeah, we got this some time. But like I just remember watching the Whedon cut and it's like once Superman shows up, that's kind of it, right? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. Superman, oh, I'm the reason that this isn't working right now. Mm-hmm. And I just MacGuffin my way into the movie. Um, I kicked this guy's ass, and he's making stupid quips. Yeah. You know, like I said, Whedon's okay with the stuff who's like, uh, true, man, how about some justice? It's like, yeah. hey, don't fuck yourself, man. He's like, he's like, glad you're not dead. I, said, I wish I was, because like, it's like, come on, man. Yeah. We don't need these stupid little jokes. Because Steppenwolf is not epic enough yeah. with the scenes that we saw. So when Superman shows up, it just it makes everyone else lame, right? Like mm-hmm. Aquaman, Superman, <laughs> Aquaman, uh, Batman, Cyborg, and the Flash are whack. Uh, Superman is the only one with yeah. powers. Um, the rest of them are frivolous. It's like, dude, that's not the point, right? Like, even with Superman, they're gonna lose that battle. Yeah. In in the uh, Snyder Cut. Yeah. So like you said, Barry is very ultimately saved the day through a little bit of time travel. It's awesome. Yeah, um, because it's important. Like, it's not just Superman, because, yeah, you need Barry to do the thing, but you also need something you kind of went over was Cyborg. Yes. Essential. So let's get into Cyborg, what he has to do. So once Barry touches Cyborg, then he's in the mother box. And then, you know, every time um, Cyborg's, like, in this, like, he's, like, actually walking around. He's always, like, his human form. Mm-hmm. And then he walk, he stumbles upon his mom and dad, you know, it's the mother box kind of tempting him. It was like, you can have this again. We could be a family again, right? And then, like, the camera kind of just pans around behind them, and then it's, it's no longer Victor. Now it's just, he's fully cyborg. And he's like, no, this is who I am. I can't, I'm not going to do that. I've accepted what has happened, and I'm, I'm moving on, and I'm going to do the right thing. And he, he says no to that life, and he just says he has to be a hero, and he's able to separate the mother boxes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's his it's arc. Is that arc? <laughs> it's an arc. Hey, look at that. Holy shit. Start to finish. Yeah, it's cool because, like, when he's tempted, and they all know that that is one of the dangers. We all know that he's potentially, because he is of the mother box, he's an agent of it in some way, that, no, he can go in there and get tempted. It knows all of his weaknesses, I believe. Wonder Woman does get that added great line of being like, it's going to tempt you. We get to see that temptation. We get to see him overcome it. We get to see him separate the mother box. I mean, come on, man. Mm-hmm. And not only that, while he's separating the mother box, the Superman gets the help too. Right. So yeah. Superman, I'm gonna need you to jump in here, buddy, because uh, uh, even with everything going our favor, we still need that extra little Superman push, man. I don't know. I I just like it so much more. Yeah, um, it's cleaner. It's so much cleaner. So much cleaner. More balanced. 
in honestly, although they're using like the OG Superman outfit and the Whedon cut, I, I like this dark, the dark suit. Just it fits the tone of the film. I, yeah, I like it. It's an homage to when Superman came back in the comics. He came back in a black and silver emblem, and that's pretty mm-hmm. much what he does here. So clean yeah, works. Clean. Look, and and we're hitting the things that like Marvel does well, which is hey, I know you guys like a little bit of that uh that Easter eggs and that little yeah. fan where here's like you said here's the outfit mm-hmm. instead of the CGI mustache here's the outfit. <laughs> it's such a good ending action sequence mm-hmm. um i can't say enough about about it uh do i need four hours to get there maybe not no. but <laughs> hey it wasn't like they played with our time right like honestly most of the glut would probably be action sequence that you could have sped up right <laughs> <laughs> like i i don't look at a lot of the moments in the film and say mm, this is just like indulgent fact that we don't need on the movie like it actually felt appropriate which is hard to say for a four-hour superhero movie. I, I didn't think that I would say that. Um, <laughs> and yet here we are uh, talking about this awesome uh, ending action sequence. I think it could have been cut. I, I was watching the first time I was yeah, watching it. I was like, I was like, there, there could be some cuts. We don't need the, to know how T's made. We yeah. don't need to know that. The, the front on. half was like, I was like, mm, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it definitely drags in the beginning, um, yeah. the first half. Um, I feel like there's a... Snyder cut, cut. Yeah, yeah, there, there's going to be another <laughs> version coming out that just cuts a few things to make it a the little Snyder easier. theater cut. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I, I, I don't think that we need to revisit this anymore. No. <laughs> we, we've done it. Move on. Hopefully, uh, DC can figure out what they want to do with their future. Hopefully. I know how I would reboot the franchise. But we'll talk about that later. Yeah, sure. <laughs> That'll be fun at the end. All right. So, um, pretty much after unity is prevented um we pretty much get our endings um a lot of the stuff that happens in the weeding cut we do see in Mm -hmm. the ending for the snyder cut trying to think if there's anything that really stood out that was like oh wow look at that it's the classic superhero punchies you know you get out there except 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 um they're doing the voiceover to what dr stone is saying to his son so victor the final message that victor destroyed before this inspiring speech <laughs> that he came up with is yeah. being played as we kind of see all the other superheroes kind of returning to their own worlds separately. Right. So um, I guess that's a major difference because as we mentioned, Dr. Stone is dead in the Snyder Cut, but he's still very much alive in the Weeding Cut, like yes. helping uh, helping Cyborg get a circular uh, red laser mm-hmm. center thing. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so he's there. <laughs> he's alive in that cut. Sure, sure, he is. <laughs> you said it <laughs> he's alive <laughs> but i uh, think the uh i think we're going here now i think the biggest difference is kind of this epilogue yeah that was actually new footage this is the new stuff that was filmed. okay this, this is, is new footage yeah yeah just to put a pin in this uh this moment so we're about three and a half hours into the movie yeah and it you could have ended there mm-hmm. so like three and a half hours a little long if you lost another half an hour off of that, you could have potentially put that in the theaters. I mean, yeah. in-game is, what, 2, 220, 2.30, something like that. So, you know, we're, we're right there, right? Yeah. Um, but the epilogue, I thought, was, uh, I thought was interesting. It's interesting. It, well, it lets you see the potential of what Zack Snyder had envisioned, envisioned for future installments of this franchise. Mm-hmm. So you're pretty much um, in that apocalyptic world that we had seen before in Batman v Superman. They're just hiding 
um, and all these parademons go by, and then Batman comes out. You see Cyborg, Flash, Mira, and then there's also some villains there. We got uh, Deathstroke, and then of course the biggest one. We got the Joker. The first time we got Ben Affleck's Batman meeting Jared Leto's Joker, something that I never thought I would see happen. Um, and here it is. <laughs> yeah. um, A much uh, less tatted up version. He's yeah. not so inked up on his face. And uh, I don't know if he still has that weird grill, but um, his, his teeth do look weird here, but they're not like obnoxiously <laughs> inappropriate. Yeah, I, I think that... Um the way that this is shot, like, it still works within the universe, right? Like, that um, things can change. Because, like, if you look at, like, their outfits, for instance, like, their apocalyptic outfits. Like, yeah, very Mad Flash Max. Little, yeah. The Flash has, like, metal armor type mm-hmm. stuff, you know? So, like, they play with the designs a bit in a, in a kind of cool, clean way. Let me tell you, at this point, I'm not going to lie to you, I was, <laughs> it was three and a half hours in the movie. <laughs> I was, I was watching it. I don't know if I was experiencing it, but I was watching it. And um, from what I gathered, this was Batman's fault. <laughs> 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 that's, that's what I gathered. That, yeah. uh, he allowed Lois to die. Hat. Yes. And if you've ever read DC Comics, anytime we've allowed Lois to die, <laughs> not in well. Um, there's, there's a uh, pretty cool fighting game franchise called Injustice. It's like a DC Mortal Kombat kind of fighting game. And uh, that is the premise that right. um, I believe the Joker, he uses some kind of Joker gas, tricks Superman into thinking that he's killing um, Lex Luthor or something like that, but he's killing Lois Lane. And that starts this whole crazy interdimensional fight because Superman's pissed. So don't piss off Superman is the, uh, is the point in any universe that you're in. I'm just going off the top of my head. I had heard that like what the story was is like um... – Lois was under attack or something and Batman could have saved her, but he hesitated or something. He messed up a little bit. So then she dies. And mm-hmm. then like dark side uses the anti-life equation to control Superman. So it's not necessarily Superman. He's uh, a little bit under control from the anti-life mm-hmm. equation. So that would have been kind of the next movie, kind of a Batman v Superman two ish kind of a thing. And then like the whole thing after that was, um, what was it? We're in this apocalyptic world. And then I think, uh, yeah, Barry eventually has to like go back in time because right. he went back too early in Batman v Superman, so he has to go back right, a little right. bit later. To, and then Batman's ultimately going to sacrifice himself and die, and everything okay. will be kind of so, restored. This is well-worn territory, right? It's like kind of like what we see with Avengers, <clears throat> right? Like Endgame. Yeah. It's like, okay, we go back, we solve the problem, and, you know, someone gets sacrificed. It's like, fuck, that's a million-dollar actor right there, you know? Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, that would have been okay. I just find it difficult to believe they would have got that far. <laughs> as much as we've railed on Whedon Cut, I don't think that was the problem with this franchise. Right? right. Like, was it was it great? Mm. Uh, was the Snyder Cut got better reception? Mm, maybe. You know, <laughs> I think people still would have been harping on the fact that like you've gone this gritty, dark route, and that just was not the tone that was working at the time. You know. So I don't know. I don't know. It was interesting to see, and I thought that like that added footage really put a nice bow in. It. Like you said, it was good foreshadowing for what could have been. But like, mm-hmm. look, when you had a hundred forty million dollar movie with one hundred sixty seven million box office, it wasn't gonna be another movie, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that this exists is still like I. That's pretty impressive. I, I can't believe that we could even witness 
whatever that was, right? Like it, it's just so unlikely to go back and revisit something so expensive. As much as like streaming services are like kind of our new future, I mean, it opens up opportunities like this because this would never happen in theaters. It's too much liability. Yeah. So um, like we get that kind of uh, epilogue in the future, you know, just Batman Joker kind of going back and forth. Not necessarily oh, cool. saying it, anything yeah, important. Yeah, we talk about like the death of the boy Wonder, the death of Harley. I, I, will, what you I, will, I will fucking kill you. Like Bat- <laughs> Batman dropping an F-bomb, you know? Yeah. You get, um, so, you know, it's a little teaser. Not much going on there. But then Bruce wakes up. And yeah. well, Bruce wakes up and then we think, oh, that's is Superman going to come talk to him? No, it's a character we briefly talked about. The Martian Manhunter is yeah. here. Yep. So he's there and, you know, he's a mem- prominent member of the Justice League mm-hmm. and he's finally being introduced to a member of the justice league this was also i think this was also shot later or this is one new footage also shot because ben looks a little bit thinner um but yeah you just get a little bit of introduction to martian manhunter and he does warn that like this isn't over like dark side will come back for the anti-life equation so again setting up future films and Mm -hmm. everything but you know if you're a fan of martian manhunter hey it's martian manhunter there you go (laughs) well it's a martian manhunter i think he's a great character uh john super powerful but has certain weaknesses that kind of keep him out of like the Superman tier. I mean, everyone does basically. Even Superman is kept out of Superman tier with Kryptonite, right? But uh, Martian Manhunter is a very strong character, and the shape shifting element, you know, mm-hmm. kind of brings it back to like we were talking about X Men, <laughs> you know, to like <laughs> some of the mystique stuff. Yeah, um, he's a great character that honestly probably should have been in this movie more, but whatever. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you got enough already. We brought back Superman, and we mm-hmm. had to stop Stephen Wolf, so that's a lot. We don't have to yeah. introduce Right, you don't this. have to pile on. Yeah, but it's a good setup for, you know, future films, for sure. Yeah, I think the design works well with what they got. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, it makes sense in the universe. Yeah, because his typical thing, is, it's kind of... Green. It's, yeah, well, it's just it's his skin, mostly, and then yeah. it kind of just has underwear and then, like, a couple of, like, suspenders or something. So they gave him more of, like, a full suit here, yeah. which, which I think works. Yeah, we're not going to do the underwear thing, I don't think, ever ever again in superhero films. I don't think so. Also, um, we didn't talk about this that much, but in that old god sort of action sequence against Darkseid, a little lantern action. A little right? bit of lantern. We yeah. did get that a little bit in the Whedon cut, um, but you don't see as much. Uh, you get to see the lantern's hand cut off in the Snyder cut. A little more bloody, uh, yeah. the Snyder cut for sure. A lot, actually, a lot more blood. Um, I'm just thinking about like when Stephen Wolf gets his head cut off, you can actually see the blood on Diana's sword. So yeah, um, yeah, they're they're leaning into that R rating pretty heavily. Yeah, again, as a comic book nerd, I like that you know with the hand cut off, the ring went. Somewhere, right? Yeah, yeah. Next, you know, Dark side was gonna. He's like, let me get that, and then he got yeah. shot. <laughs> uh, but this, this is a type of, you know, world building, clean. You know, we could stack this into another movie. This is the type of stuff that, like, DC, I think, struggled with. That again, mm-hmm. a lot of this was already shot. I don't know how it would have been sequenced, right? Yeah. Um, in theaters, you know, clean and could have gone some places with it. But I think. The financials really like I, I do keep going back to it because uh, I'm sure the internet nerds will talk about this forever. But like the budgetary restrictions on doing something like this again were, hmm. I, I just don't see the Snyder cut in theaters making more than like 200 million, which means are, are we going to do this again? Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> Probably. I not. mean, but it's it, crazy the amount of money they spent. Like, it's like first they spent on what they shot, and then they mm-hmm. did 
all the Joss Whedon reshoots, and then that includes the Henry Cavill's expensive mustache. And then they had to spend more money just to finish the Snyder Cut. So it's like they spent millions on like yeah. these two different versions. It's insane. Yeah, I mean, like if you're being honest with marketing and everything like that, this is a half a billion dollar movie. Probably didn't clear half a billion dollars, but like, all right, man, like. You know, I know it's the time of streaming and superhero movies, but like, I guess there is some artistry in seeing something like this <laughs> go full circle. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's one of those internet mythology stories that, uh, hey, I'm, we got to experience it, my friend. Yeah, so that's pretty much how the movies end. Anything else we want to... <laughs> no, I think that um, you mentioned some other, like, you know, we don't have to spend too much time on this, but like some slightly notable characters. So Iris uh, was a good one that you brought up earlier. Yeah. There's another one is uh, the lab assistant to Dr. Stone, Ryan Choi, who I didn't know this, but thank God for the internet. He's um, a version of the Atom. Um, He he becomes the director of Star Lab after uh, Dr. Stone dies. So, Mm -hmm. you know, they tease a little bit of the Atom, which is pretty cool. Like That's deep cuts. I didn't didn't pick up on that. I didn't Ray Palmer. I didn't know uh, Ryan Choi. When I watch stuff like this, you know, it makes me wonder what could have been because, like, one of my biggest fears is that uh, when Moon Knight comes out, it's going to be the best Batman movie we've seen in like 10 years. And I'm, not, I'm nervous about stuff like that. Like, I think that like, just like the Democratic and the Republican Party, it's good when there's balance in these, <laughs> these two universes. And, and I really do hope that like DC finds its footing in some mm-hmm. way. But like this feel, felt like a um, you know, flawed but interesting approach to maybe mm-hmm. writing the ship. I mean, I, I know there's plenty of things to talk about. I just want to touch on the music really quickly. Music, yeah. yeah. So, like we said, Danny Elfman did the score for the Whedon cut. Danny Elfman, um, his early stuff is uh, definitely more well-known, I guess, than his later stuff. Um, but it's just cool because you did hear bits of the Batman theme that he mm-hmm. did uh, with the Tim Burton films. Like, you definitely heard a little bit of the dun, dun, dun. I was like, oh, that's sprinkled out in there. You know, it's not that prominent but if you're listening for it you could definitely hear it so that's that's cool um but other than that the music's pretty by the books um yeah. i guess in the weeding cuts it's not really that memorable or which impactful I think. which again makes sense because um like you mentioned weeding being tasked to do this job was to do it by the books right because like marvel did that very well right like there was some swings and some choices that were kind of risky in the Marvel movies. But overall, if I had to describe that franchise, they played it really safe, yeah. very effectively. Like, they did safe as good as you can do safe. Right? Yeah, that's true. And um, they were always going to get on base, right? Like, sometimes they hit home runs, but like, they're at least going to get a single or a double pretty much every time the movie comes out. It's like, you could take Ant-Man in the Wasp <laughs> and outpace Superman. Like, that's crazy, right? <laughs> like, that shouldn't happen. <laughs> but, um, you know, uh, by the books isn't that bad. Well, you know, it's generic, right? Yeah. And then you got Tom Hokenborg's soundtrack for the Whedon Cut, um, for the Snyder Cut, and I don't know, like, this... I f- it felt like amazing <laughs> the music <laughs> I mean, kicks ass, so. going back to that flash scene that works so well just because of that score that's playing underneath it. That, it it was incredible like it just yeah. just felt so epic and heroic at the, it, it was it was incredible it was great decisions he did there great songs he wrote i what a solid soundtrack i, I 
I think it's definitely the superior soundtrack between yeah. the two. I like I like hearing the old Batman theme and what Elfman did, but like, man, this soundtrack was amazing. And that's the thing, right? Like when I, when I was going back and watching the action sequences, I was like, is it because they're shorter, or is it because like that that punch, right, that you get from the soundtrack? I think it's a combination of both. Like, yeah, the Whedon cut feels like you mentioned, which safe isn't always bad, so don't get me wrong here, but like felt safe and felt a little flat, right? And like, go watch any like Avengers movie. It's like, you know, you could basically do show a sequence from any one of those films as like the final action sequence. It is basically the same thing between the, yeah. between all of them. Um, now there's plenty of like I mentioned Easter eggs and fun things for comic nerds, but like you, the camera's gonna circle around. Mm-hmm. You're gonna see punchies. You're gonna see aliens, and like we're gonna do the same thing with some epic climax, right? But like this felt kind of raw and different. And I, I appreciate that soundtrack because it really, you're right, it made you feel like, okay, Barry, huh? Barry Allen. <laughs> like, it, it was a great, it was a great score. It was a great score. And like not too many pop songs. There was a couple, um, there was one Flash uh, first did his powers at the puppy shop to save Iris. <laughs> like you heard a song there, but like nothing like too, um, not too much in the forefront. Like I didn't really hear like the like, the weeding cut. Like you had Icky Thumb that came out of nowhere, yeah. and it's just to show how badass Aquaman is. Yeah, whiskey. Want to drink whiskey and listen to Icky Thumb? And then you know, like we said, you had the Leonard Cohen cover in the opening, and then yeah. um, Gary Clark Jr. even did like a version of Come Together that you hear in the credits. Like I remember that playing pretty heavy um, in the trailers. So you don't have any of that in uh, the. Snyder cut and I'm perfectly fine with that all yeah. that stuff you know yeah. in the credits we mm-hmm. get a hallelujah cover oh we um, do? yeah no you got to be deep in it at four hours in I know <laughs> yeah but, I, didn't, I, I didn't listen to all the music <laughs> but I remember listening to it, it kind of sounded like Jennifer Hudson but it was probably somebody else um and Pre was like are you serious I'm like yeah look they did the thing you got to do hallelujah it's, it's well he'd been putting hallelujah in like those early teasers of the Snyder cut so I'm mm-hmm. not surprised I mean he also put that in it's Watchmen a, too so it's like he always he's got to put some Leonard Cohen somewhere in his movie yeah, yeah. yeah I mean look it's a beautiful song it's done probably too much but uh yes. it's it works so no I, I thought I thought the score really helped sell a lot of action mm-hmm. um yeah it made you not think about how long you've been watching the scene. So big improvement. Yeah. Anything else you want to talk about? No, no, we don't want this turned into the... Uh, we don't <laughs> want this to turn longer than the Snyder Cut. <laughs> Is this the Buick or the Parker Cut? <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think we're there then. Then uh, the question we have to ask ourselves is, one, should the Whedon original version have existed given what was happening in Zack Snyder's life at the time? studio notes and all that stuff and then ultimately it's a two-tier question really it's not like mm-hmm. our normal question ultimately does the Snyderverse should it exist right and i think we should add a amendment to that question as well should it exist at the length that we got <laughs> so the weeding cut um i'm not happy that it exists i think it's a necessary evil clearly the studio was going to step in i think that the snyder cut now that we've seen, again, hindsight, what the Avengers were able to do in-game and how dark that was able to get, while still clinging to some of the Marvel, like, you know, that very sanitized superhero film. Um, I think given that what we're able to see with Thanos and stuff like that, that 
it's important that we got to ultimately see the Snyder cut. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna ding the Whedon cut for timing, right? Like they were trying to fix a problem, which is that this DC stuff is getting too dark, and Marvel is not doing that and succeeding spectacularly. Mm-hmm. So they're like, we gotta try something to get there. Um, and they missed the mark. Plain and simple. Uh, I don't blame Zack Snyder for that. I don't blame Josh Whedon for that, right? Like, this is purely a studio fuck-up. Yep. Plain and simple. You cannot ask a director to come in with 90% of a movie shot, to come in, shoot 10% of it, and then say, that guy fucked this up. That's <laughs> it. Look, the, there's plenty of things that apparently Josh Whedon may be bad. <laughs> 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 the quips don't work, and that is his fault. But, mm-hmm. uh, but if he had made a movie that was supposed to be like that, I could see Josh Whedon having Aquaman and like Batman eating a tuna melt, <laughs> you know, like at a diner and like, it, you know, I could see it working. Um, but that's not the framework that he had. You didn't have Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man. You didn't have uh, Mark Ruffalo's The Hulk. You got what you got. You got this like, the last movie was Grandma's pee in a jar at a Senate hearing. Like, this, this is, this, there were a lot of missteps in the DC universe way before that. So um, I don't like the Whedon cut, and it's, it's somebody's fault, but I'm going to blame the studio. The Snyder cut, I'm glad that I got to see it because this feels like what the director's vision was. For what the goal is, it's still a mess. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I, I appreciate the movie, I enjoyed it. Um, it certainly would not have fit the need of revitalizing the franchise, but it is a more cohesive, clean, fun movie. Uh, I don't think the kids are gonna love it, but I think the old school comic nerds like us are gonna be like, okay, dark side, yeah, you know. <laughs> we chopped off some heads, I thought that was cool. Um, we fleshed out some characters, I thought that was cool, but uh, it, it was a doomed project all around. I don't think that there's anything that they could have done because Snyder made his decision about the universe and its grittiness well before this movie came out. DC embraced it, so that was what they had. And um, then they tried to run from it when Marvel got all, you know, Captain Clean. And uh, uh, this is what you get. You get a jumbled fucking mess, but uh, the Snyder Cut is good. Um, not a masterpiece. It's like a seven out of 10 movie at best. Um, I'm glad I watched it, but uh, yeah, a lot of problems in DC. <laughs> a lot of problems. But uh, yeah, uh, honestly, neither of them should really exist. But uh, <laughs> if, if one should exist, the Snyder Cut was a cohesive vision. So I appreciate that. I think you defended uh, Joss Whedon's kind of his situation. He was like kind of forced mean? upon him. If me, he had, was able to start from scratch. I'm sure he could have created some something much better than what he was, uh, which we eventually got. So yeah, I am gonna blame the studio along with you. Um, but you know, I did I did hate like all those little stupid quips and jokes. Uh, they were definitely the parts of the film that I was so happy to see. Like, okay, that was Joss Whedon. Okay, that was Joss Whedon. Like yeah. making Batman crack a joke. Oh yeah, I bleed. I'm bleeding now. It's like, oh, you're Batman. Come on, we don't need that from you, man. So like. You know, the Whedon cut's been shit on like <laughs> to, to so many times, so I don't think there's really anything I need to add there. Um, when talking about the Snyder cut, though, again, 
it's it's better. <laughs> it's definitely better. Does it need to be four hours? Absolutely not. Um, I don't know about you. I definitely didn't watch it in one sitting. No. For, no. The first time I watched it, it, took me a week to get through that shit because it drags. It drags a lot. Yeah, a lot of it's world building and a lot of it's stuff that kind of like, yeah, that, that's already in the old other Justice League. So I kind of already remember that. So I mm-hmm. feel like I'm just kind of watching it again. But um, it does drag. And I know you said it's fun. It does have fun moments, but a lot of the movie's joyless, too, at the same yeah. time. So you're just like, man, this is kind of a bummer. <laughs> like, like, uh, yeah, I get it. Let's make a dark superhero movie. But, like, man, it's like, give me some joy. <laughs> like, give me yeah. some, like, like, I love that Flash moment. Like, give me more of that, and we won't have a problem. Like, like I said, it is my favorite moment in the movie, but four hours ain't justifying <laughs> one moment in a movie. Oh. <laughs> so, um yeah, it's definitely a better film. I do think there is a three-hour cut out there, and there probably will be one day. We don't have to review it. I am happy we did get to see Zack Snyder's vision. I'm not necessarily 100% on board with that vision, but at least we got to see it um, play out, and it's not what we thought it was. <laughs> um, so I'm glad for that. Yeah, the we didn't cut big mistake i i don't know what they were thinking studio but you know obviously that version shouldn't exist if you're gonna have to watch one you should just watch the starter cut but again be be warned it does drag it is four hours and it did not have to be four hours yeah i could have got it in like two sittings but it ended up being about three Mm -hmm. um and yeah i I really actually don't know the universe where I watched that movie in one sitting. I, 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 I don't know either. I, I, Who has four hours, man? I, it's not, so for, not for this. Not for this. No. And, because I'm a DC fan, dude. I'm a huge yeah, fan of, of their stuff. And like, I remember watching the Whedon Cut films and not just that, like when I watched the Dawn of Justice, like Batman vs. Superman. Like, um, I sat there and I was like, I, I'm okay with this product enough, but like, Kids aren't gonna. I can't take a kid to go see this stuff. You no, know definitely I mean? not. Like, no, not at all. What, what, are, what are you guys doing, right? And it's like, I'm cool with, you know, killing joke level like dark mm-hmm. stuff. But it's like, guys, you're making a general audience film to try to maximize profit. Like, mm-hmm. I hate that artistry is, is there, but like that's where we are, right? You're making a movie. You have to maximize profit. What you put out will not do that, so suffer. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, you know, eventually, like, weird internet stuff makes things like the Snyder Cut happen, but, like, this movie wasn't hyped up because it's a good movie. It was hyped up because, like, how the fuck did this happen, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I'm glad I saw it, but, yeah, like, like we already talked about, it. they're both rough, but I do like the Snyder Cut more. And, um, yeah. I mean, there's no, there's no reason to watch the weeding cut anymore at this point, unless you're just curious, like what exactly is different. It's just, it's so bad. Like I watched, this is how I did it. I watched first the Snyder cut because I had seen Justice League, the weeding cut years ago in theaters. And then I went to watch the weeding cut. And then that compared to the Snyder cut, I mean, it makes it look like Citizen Kane watching the weeding cut. It is so bad compared to the Snyder cut. But the Snyder Cut, like, by itself, if you didn't have that comparison, it's like, it's, a, it's, a, it's yeah. passable. Yeah. It's like, like I said, it's like seven out of ten at best. That's being like super That's generous. That's pretty, that's generous. I give, just, it, I give it a hard six. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's right in that hard six territory. And um, what, what I worry about, uh, this is kind of what I was alluding to before, is that DC is not going to be able to dig themselves out of this hole. How I would approach this, because I think um, 
Marvel has once again avoided. Like, look, you want to talk comics and animation? I think DC's kind of kicks ass, right? Um, you want to talk about like movies? Clearly, Marvel's winning the day. And if um, if I had to try to fix all of this mess, I would go Guardians of the Galaxy style and go obscure. I would go dust, excuse me, Justice League Dark, build up like a new Constantine, you know what I mean? Throw like a Keanu Reeves as a cameo somewhere in that movie. Not as Constantine, but it's like some, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and have like a, a kind of dark, but kind of fun, gritty character base. At some point in that film, introduce like a mainline person like The Flash, which I think you could clean up better than everyone else. He doesn't have a mainline movie by himself yet, right? Build out the Flash. Again, intro another one of these characters, maybe Gal Gadot, it boosts up some other Justice League character and try to try to repair it that way. But like right now, I don't know how they fix this. No. Like, I think they just I think they're just moving on. They're just doing the solo movies and they're just kind of yeah. Yeah, we'll just we'll try to make a good movie every now and then. <laughs> Hopefully you come see it. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah, that's their plan at this point. Because yeah, they're them trying to play catch up with Marvel was a it's big mistake. Happen. Yeah. Marvel had a plan. You didn't. You were just right. trying to copy success and you failed miserably. This is so apparent to anyone watching because like I said, I was probably reading like Maxim magazine back in like two thousand like five <laughs> or six, but it was like, This is the plan for the Marvel universe. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> perfect <laughs> almost flawless execution yeah. to the point now you could take the victory lap scarlet witch wandavision what <laughs> you're gonna start pulling out like obscure characters and that's why i mentioned you got someone like moon knight which is basically a batman ripoff that's probably gonna become not as popular as batman that's impossible but like he's gonna get pretty fucking popular and because oscar isaac and i'm like god damn it can we <laughs> can we not get out flanked by marvel on the batman front because that's the one <laughs> thing dc has done well consistently uh batman versus robin notwithstanding <laughs> i'm batman. just a huge fan and i hate to see them fail yeah um I mean, that'd be cool. I kind of like that idea. Like, let's get some more obscure characters. I'm thinking, like, yo, make a Swamp Thing movie. Make a good fucking Swamp Thing. Swamp thing, thing. Lit, yeah, man. Um, who's the guy? The Question or something like that? The little mystery dude? Like, you start small. Um, there are characters, like I said, Justice League Dark works for me because, like, Zathora, right? Like, you get some of that girl uh, boss energy going, a little magic, fucking around with that WandaVision stuff a little bit. Like, because <laughs> DC does television well. As, as well, yeah. Um, but like, how many CW shows are we gonna build a franchise on? Like, right, exactly. Doesn't work. Yeah. Doesn't work. So that's uh, that's from the nerd corner. <laughs> <laughs> well said. Well said. All right. Well, that's what we thought about Justice League. What you guys think? Did you agree with us? Did you disagree with us? Did we miss anything? Definitely let us know in the comments. All right. Well, it's time to figure out what we're doing next. I picked Justice League. What do you got for us, Reggie? Well, I'm not that creative, and I know we changed our minds, so I'm rechanging it. We're going to watch The Day the Earth Still Still. <laughs> Where'd you come up with that idea? <laughs> I don't know. It just came in me in a dream. <laughs> Fantastic. The Day the Earth Still Still. Speaking of Keanu, Constantine, yeah. there we go. All right, so our next episode, The Day the Earth Stood Still. Well, um, thanks again for listening. Um, uh, if you're on YouTube, definitely leave us a comment. Uh, if you're on iTunes, if you can give us that five stars and a nice comment, that would definitely help us grow. 
social media stuff, Reggie? Social media, um, you can find me at RP Comedy on Twitter and Instagram. But definitely check us out at, at Retro versus Remake on Twitter and Instagram. This was a really fun episode. We're going to experiment with some different things. Uh, mm -hmm. I think we're coming up on our 50th episode, so we may even do like a little recap type of deal, you know, figure out what we like, what we didn't like over over the past many episodes that we've done. So this is a fun show. I'm looking forward to doing more of it. Uh, yeah. Appreciate you guys. Uh, yeah. Appreciate we... you guys enjoying it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I like this. This one's, oh my God. Hey, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> uh, I like doing this. Maybe there's like other director's cut out there that are like incredibly different from the theatrical cut that yeah. could be like a little interesting thing to revisit. But uh, yeah, this is really fun. And uh, yeah, we got episode 50 coming up. So we've got some special things lined up for future episodes. Totally. Well, if you ever wanted to do something like this, and we'll let the audience force us to do this. Uh, <laughs> I know he's been canceled more or less, but Mel Gibson did a movie called Payback back in the day where the director's cut is so different than what came out in theaters that like hmm. it might as well be a remake. Um, it's supposed to kind of play like a film noir, sort of modernized. Um, mm -hmm. It is a mess. Um, it's it reads more comedic in the, the theatrical cut than what it's supposed to. And uh, it, you know, if uh, enough people say say it, uh, maybe we'll do it down the line. All right, <laughs> we'll check out. <laughs> we'll see. If we'll visit payback uh, or give payback a visit. Yeah, we right. have to make us do that. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right, well, um, I'm Dan Bielek. I'm Reggie Parker. And this has been another episode of Retro vs. Remake. Snyder Cut. <laughs> Snyder Cut. <laughs>